0: Stupid bear addicted to jam. Turn it off and listen to the Uncle Gems podcast. (laughs) Oh, we show. shut it
1: off or turn it off. No, I can't. turn it off, shut right, it off. Turn it it's my daughter I don't. Know.
0: <laughs> it's a weekly show where we talk about movies that nobody else wants to talk about. And this is episode number one hundred and thirty three and my name is Jack. And my name's Randy. and today we have two extra voices with us. We have two special guests with us. so might as well just start with the returning voice. How about that? So we we have Jack look sharp in the house, Jack's back. How Jack's
2: back, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to talk about um, Paul Schrader's hardcore. Do you want more? I don't
0: know. <laughs> almost a pun, sorry. Almost, almost. <laughs> uh, sorry. And also, <laughs> by the way, just super happy to have you, Jack. Uh, thank you, thank you for that. So, you know, always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Player. <laughs> Pleasure. I think Pleasure. Is you always you, a player.
2: I oh, know, thank you. I'm really, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm loving my Friday nights talking there you go. movies with Rande, who agrees with me, and Jakob, who's uh, arguably the biggest pain in my ass. <laughs>
0: That's what <laughs> I go against. Have you slept through the, uh, uh, ironically, have you slept through the episode on insomnia where we agreed on anyway? <laughs> did we I don't think we agreed on with Insomnia at all, did we? Yeah. Well, you didn't hate it, so I called it, call <laughs> right, it. Oh right, oh
2: yeah. Meeting meet yeah. in the middle ground. Excellent. I like it. I think yeah. we, we
3: we somehow talked you down, I think, during the episode. Yeah, I didn't like it, yeah. it. was like a massive backfire.
0: <laughs> it's my superpower. Anyway, <laughs> but that's not that's not the only uh, sort of guest voice we have in the house with us. We also have uh, Mr. Tony Lauder. Uh, a supporter of the show, we've got, we've got in our midst. Uh, I'm not going to point fingers at Jack in here, but you know, <laughs> but you know, we've got, we've got, uh, uh, <laughs> we've got Tony with us. I'm such a bastard! How are you doing, Tony? I'm a bastard. I'm sorry. I just you know, I had to every time. How are you doing, Tony?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm hoping to uh, shake things up a bit with you guys because. Uh, I know you guys mostly from Letterbox, I think, and of course I've known Randy now for almost thirty years. In fact, can I mention this, Randy? Because I know you mentioned it in your in your first podcast or one of them that you were on here that you directed uh, the stage version of Reservoir Dogs, and I will say that I played Mister White in Randy's stage. Wow. Yes. (laughs)
3: Yes. <laughs> I
2: love that. That's crazy. Have you got a video of this, Randy? Have you, <clears throat> can we see this? Tony does
3: somewhere. We do, yes. Please. Yeah, we'll have to, send we'll this have to shake down Tony we'll, for it. Yeah, we'll
1: figure that out. Yeah, we will do that.
0: Is yeah. it on a VHS tape?
1: It was, but it's it's also digitized. It has been digitized. Now. Yeah, original VHS copy. Yeah. I love nice. that. Nice. I love Who that. was
0: Joey in it? Was it? Was he Mr. Orange? Joey was
3: not in it, but his brother almost was, oh. Josh. Oh, oh right! What did, yeah. what did I think yeah. the Joey was in it? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. Joey was in he was in
0: a, a the, the, the
3: hospitality suite a production
1: oh, yeah, right, right. yeah oh. which
3: the Big Kahuna was based on. So Joey worked with me on that show.
0: Oh okay. So anyway. Happy to have you with us, Tony. And then, as you may have surmised from the fact that Jack's already spilled the beans, I said turn it off. And then also, there's a title to this thing that says hardcore. So you know, we're <laughs> we're talking about Porsche rate as hardcore. The cats out of the oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, it's like it's never a, like I always think like oh, it's a surprise. Let's do this. No, right, people who click on this. Yeah, people. The 17 yeah. people who clicked on this. Yeah. You know, can I just they already say see the title? <laughs>
2: can I just say as well, Randy? Yeah. W- yeah, yeah. When if you do upload that, put it on. Um, TMDB and put it up and we'll get it on the letterbox as well. The reservoir <laughs> yeah. dogs, let's get it up there, let's get it reviewed. Come on, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we want you I mean, to
3: come after it. We, we got a project, get some <laughs> yeah. stars on that. <laughs> get some stars on that.
2: Oh, definitely. <sighs> I want to see amazing. I want to see it. I need to see it. I think it'd be really good as well. I don't really like I remember this.
0: But oh right, like after this we like randy you could share this of the link to um there's this video that you shared with me like some time ago from yes. i think it was like a news clip uh, yes from from the time you can we see a, like randy's we, just you know has just come of age you know
3: <laughs> <laughs> my voice just broke it was awesome yeah yeah tony found this yeah, clip from uh baseball news. backwards yeah. and whatever <laughs> it's
0: hilarious yeah see, yeah it was, it was good great. I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. Like, I don't know, like, just like everyone's super serious about this. It's just, I don't know. That was
1: a great, great. production. No, yeah. we were sold out. Like, I mean, we, we probably could have. We ran it, I think, three or four nights, but we had talked about doing it for an entire summer. But it did yeah. sort of start, you know, Randy's theater company. So we did do a number of productions yeah. in a similar vein over a few years. But I think that one was really perfect because it got in a whole local audience that wouldn't come. Like, if you look at the video after, you can see all the, U P I Panthers, like you know, the the jocks and everything. We we finally broke through, you know, we got through to the jocks. <laughs> We've got a the bizarre mass and... audience, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. And our Mr. Blonde very nearly joined us for our thing episode last year, actually, because he was a stand in it. on right. the new thing. Oh the, wow uh, Yeah, the remake. So we very nearly had the great Craig Blair on here last year. Brando, <laughs> yeah.
2: That's in, a very, like, that's a very interesting film to talk about with all the reshoots as well. Or does he? Well, if you've done it, but that's a really yeah. interesting production. A nightmare, you'd say, maybe.
3: Hmm. Anyway, carry on, Jakob. <laughs> <laughs> might as well, it's just
0: like we just lost ourselves in the down memory lane. It was brilliant. So we might as well continue. But before we actually continue with getting ourselves lost in, the, just like I don't know, pining for the seventies, I suppose, where you know. You could go into the cinema and watch a porno.
2: Oh, God, he has to... Be, like, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> uh, just go out in, in, in public and just rub one out. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad there's
2: only one person who agreed with you, and that was yourself. There. Like everyone else stayed quiet.
0: I'm pretty sure, like there's a there's a, there's a there's a there's a silent silence a majority of people who just wish you know, they can still they could still do this. I, I'm telling you, they're all the magtow dorks.
1: <laughs> well, I, I've got a couple of stories if you want to get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, been, oh, I've been I've been in a couple of actual theaters, one in Canada and one in the states. Let me say it's most of the time it's a scary as hell thing. It's like oh, when when the grindhouse nostalgia was kicking, and I'm like. You know, I lived briefly in in New York in 1987. I was like, you had to be really brave to venture into any of those grindhouses. You know, Mm -hmm. people can have nostalgia, but you're afraid to sit down because, you you know, you might have a needle stuck into you. Somebody (laughs) could be doing their laundry next to you. You don't know what's on the seat. You can't see because they keep the lights off the whole time. And you're just entering, you know, going up weird staircases like. I got a couple of stories about that. If you want to get into yeah. that later, but it
0: just yeah, remind me of that. When I wa- just yesterday I went to see Barbie, and then there was this woman next to me, like a, a very young woman, just sitting there, and she just at some before she sat down, she inspected her seat with a with a flashlight because she's like, I'm feeling so uncomfortable when there's some dirt on my seat. I'm like, yeah. Just try. Imagine yeah, living in. Lady
3: the 70s. meet Tony. He's got
0: stories. Wait, he, wait, meet Tony. He's yeah. got stories. Like, lady, you have no <laughs> idea, like how much of a luxury you live in.
1: <laughs> Spoiled.
0: uh because you know, you, I don't know. Anyway, in the interest of time, might as well quickly plug our Patreon. What's what's on. Also on the roster this month because this month we're doing. I mean, we already said like we're doing uh, Portraiters traders hardcore, and this is because we are. Um, we've devoted this month to uh, porn adjacent thrillers because <laughs> why not? Okay, um, so we're doing Pulse hardcore today. As a tie into this episode, we're going to be talking about boogie nights on our Patreon. I think, but as of, I think it will be next week. As of the time of this recording, this will be out. I think. You think so? Or it's already out? I think it's next week. But it's going to be there anyway, so stay tuned for that. Um, also on our Patreon this month, uh, our uh, Soda tie into the main show discussion from last week where we talked about Haywire. Um, that's ma- ma- <laughs> Magic Mike. <laughs> and then later mm-hmm. this month, uh, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie will be the uh, August installment of our John Casavelli's Marathon. So that's on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash UncutGemsPod is where you want to go to actually go and sign up and help us pay the bills for this. And other things. This is just a yep. bonus. If you hate it, tough luck, hombre. Because <laughs> uh, this is staying. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. So if you if you want to support the show, this is how you can do it. And then in, in exchange, you'll get access to I think now over sixty podcasts that we have in there. And then, if you still don't know what you're not convinced, there's a few that are free. So heat is free. So if you just go on there and scroll down, you will see heat's free. I think the thing is free. A few others are free. So you can have a have a taste. Okay, <laughs> just have a <laughs> have a nipple. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> have a nipple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's oh, like Jesus. a nipple
2: is like a very small
0: taste. That I've might be it, that might it, be why she also talk I don't know. Isn't this a nibble? No, no, no,
2: no, no. A nipple. Have a nipple of that. That's what they say. You
0: Northerners are so naughty. This is not good. God.
3: (laughs) Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) it's the it's the right month though. Yeah. Given her theme.
2: (laughs) I'm gonna come. Oh fuck
3: (laughs) you (laughs) know.
0: I had to. Sorry. Um, Now so. So yeah, so that's on our Patreon, and then our um, <clears throat> we might as well just continue. if you want if you don't want to support the show by doing that, you can still leave us a, leave us a one-off donation at coffee.com slash if you so please. But then again, if you want to just support the show, we might as well just sign up to the Patreon, so you get something in return. I call it just you know just good financial responsible planning. Um, and then also, if you don't feel like spending money, remember that you can always leave us a star rating or review wherever you listen to this. And then that also helps as we get discovered by, uh, you know, like-minded individuals who like talking about movies like Paul Schrader's Hardcore Which leads me to just, well, how about we just start talking about Paul Schrader's Hardcore?
4: Jake, Mr. Holcomb? Mm-hmm. Pete? Yeah, Peter Long, that's the name I use Right Well, Pete, uh, we're casting male roles for an explicit sex action feature mm-hmm. uh, It pays $100 a day Probably up to uh, two
0: weeks' work, you say. You've had experience? Yeah, I was in a Metro Brothers film called The Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if you saw that or not. And I play the slave of the Queen of Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. I've got some pictures here, if you
2: can. Uh-huh. Excuse me, sir. <clears throat> yeah.
4: This is Jake. Well, we're casting right now. Have you had uh, hardcore film experience? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right, supposing I try to squeeze you in uh, today between uh oh uh four o'clock four fifteen is that all right yeah the cinema motel van nuys room seven very good we'll see you there right. okay pete i have your answering service number we decide to use you i'll give you a call thank you man. thanks very much
0: so hardcore that was written and directed by paul schrader it was released in 1979 and that stars george c scott peter boyle season hubley dick Sargent, a few other people and uh it's a story about Jake i think it's Jacob Jake Van Dorn who's a businessman from Grand Rapids Michigan uh who <clears throat> finds out one day that his daughter didn't didn't come back from a i think it's a church trip to to Los Angeles and then he thinks he he she uh, she got kidnapped or she went missing and so he who goes to Los Angeles hires a almost said pet detective, private detective. You know, one know thing leads one. to another and he finds out that his daughter, his daughter turn, turns up uh, in, a, in an eight millimeter porno film. So he then comes back to LA to find uh, find his, his daughter and find uh, find about the people who uh, apparently made her do it. And then he may actually be, uh, you know, oh, he should be careful what he wishes for, let's just say. So, the movie goes from there. So, like, this... this I suppose there is, there is... I mean, we're going to get to it anyway, but then the story of this movie goes back all the way to, to Taxi Driver, which was the first... Um, I think it was the first screenplay that Schrader sold. Because he, like, Schrader was was a film critic by trade. Yeah. And then he uh, he sold his screenplay to, to Taxi Driver, to, uh, I can't remember who, Fox or Columbia? Columbia, I think. He tried to Columbia. sell it to Brian De Palma
2: as well, didn't he, at first?
0: Yeah, he, he, De Palma, he wanted De Palma to to do it, but then again, one, one thing led to another, and Scorsese ended up doing it. Mm-hmm. But then, like, what, what happened was, then he immediately, after, after he sold Taxi Driver, and so he immediately started war, working on Hardcore. And in, in the meantime, I think he also, he also wrote The Yakuza, and yeah. the Rolling Thunder, <laughs> but but I think this this all went went on concurrently. But Hardcore was a film that he secured as as a venture that he would also direct. So he w- was writing and directing it, and then he ended up, I think, con- uh, convincing. I think it was Columbia. Please tell me it was Columbia. Yes, it was Columbia. Yeah, uh, to let him direct it, uh, and he also managed to score Warren Beatty to star in it as a, as the dad. And uh, and also as a producer. And by the way, Warren Beatty at the time was let's just say hot in Hollywood. I mean, oh, he was hot, hot <laughs> shit. just in general. <clears throat> just have you seen young Warren Beatty? Mm. Channing Tatum of his time. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, so at, at the time, I think Warren Beatty had been in Shampoo and the Parallax View, and he was no. I think uh, Shampoo. Yes, is after and and is Bonnie no. and Clyde. No, maybe maybe mm. maybe maybe Shampoo would be fun. He was also in Bonnie and Clyde. Um, Bonnie and Clyde's so, six, yeah.
2: 69, isn't
0: it? Yes, it's very So little. He was, a, a, the, let's just say, one of the faces of the, of the new Hollywood. So Columbia really wanted him, but then again, they they really didn't see eye to eye. And then Warren Beatty wanted to, wanted some changes to the script to be made because he was too young to be a dad to a to a. Teenager, he wanted this to be like his sister or something like this, which, which eventually had been had been just a remake of the movie Trackdown from 1976. Um which I sold for this just in preparation. But anyway, so they parted ways. Schrader got his way and he he decided I'm I'm going to get George C. Scott involved because he really loved George C. Scott, and um he wanted um oh, I just wanted to quickly say oh and also just he was producing it together with john milius so john milius was heavily involved in the production of this movie and he wanted diana scarwood to play nikki which is um the sort of the, the sidekick George C. scott picks up in la um but the studio didn't like her because they said and i think i quote um this one of the producers according to tarantino in his book next like she's i want to cast someone who like who might like to fuck or something oh like uh, yeah so a- someone who's like Something blonde to red
2: lips and who can throw like yes yeah i've, I've read the same quote yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah in on wikipedia they are a bit more polite they just say she wasn't attractive enough right um <laughs> so so they just say so they got see uh, season Hubley to 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 play that role and they also got um I don't know, what's her name isla, isla davis to play kristen van horn so that's uh, Jossie Scott's, Jake Van Dorn's daughter, and I think they, she was an actual porn actress. She's I,
2: she's not in anything else, sure. It's documented.
0: I mean, I think she's she's been in other things. I, nothing that so I've t- seen.
2: What could you could you highlight the audience? What do you, what else do you think? Adverts? <laughs> Are you talking about adverts? Oh. Just,
0: no. So apparently, the the story goes that he 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 <laughs> was uh, he hired her because he wanted her to 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 look convincing on the eight millimeter piece of stag footage. Um, and then the idea was that you no, know, the this, this script script was changed later on. Well, we're going to get to it in a second, anyway. Indeed. But, um, but, um, yeah. So the script got 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 rewritten, and there, there's been pressure from the studio, or or maybe not. I don't know. We're going to get to it. The movie got released, got an X rating as well. So the movie was shot in, a few, in in a bunch of locations in LA, San Francisco, and San Diego, and I think in Grand Rapids, Michigan as well. So fully on location. Um, let's just say it was received in a mixed way as in Siskel and Ebert loved it with Ebert really loving it despite knowing that you know like this movie kind of just like goes into action cinema territory and he didn't like that but he still gave it 4 out of 4 Paul and Cale hated it and other people were kind of just like I I like it but I also see the flaws sort of thing Um, and then to this day it's kind of stands on like it's at the 70s mark on Rotten Tomatoes or something so it's I don't know. I think it still kind of just slots into this sort of the cult classic uh, sort of region of what, what's mm-hmm. the, the sort of the kind of cinema. Because it's, it's a genre film. It's it's heavy. It's violent and just let's just say ex- exploitative. So that brings us to here. We're talking about porn, porn adjacent thrillers. So you might as well just start with with the big daddy of them all or one of the big daddies. <sighs> Guys, what do you think about uh, Paul Schrader's Hardcore? So I think the tradition dictates we start with our esteemed guests So Tony, how about you lead the way and tell us what you think about Paul Schrader's Hardcore?
1: Right, it's interesting because I this might be the first Paul Schrader movie I remember seeing. Like I'm sure I saw pa- Taxi Driver when I talking about the ones that he directed and it was a VHS rental for me. And I was very interested in the subject matter uh, at the time and uh this is probably my fifth, you know, it's, it's sad that with George C. Scott, who's one of my favorite actors a full confession, I've still not seen Patton. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen, I haven't seen Dr. Strangelove, but I've seen this like five times now, I think. <laughs> so, so, so that's where I'm coming thing to say, with say, My
0: favorite actor. And <laughs> yeah.
1: like Oscar winning we'll say he's among guy. my favorite actors, but, uh, I really do. I really do enjoy him in this. He's kind of still the standout to me. Seeing it again this time, uh, I know I watched it again about a year ago with the commentaries and Paul Schrader does great commentary and I remember some good stuff from that. But uh, watching it again now is really interesting. I could kind of focus on the aesthetics and stuff. I watched it on the, I think it's a UK label, the Indicator Blu-ray, yes. which doesn't have the two commentaries. So I got the commentaries from alternate means when I listened to those. But uh, But it did have a couple of interesting features on it, Michael Chapman and stuff like that. Uh, talking about the photography so I really dig it I think uh, I picked up more on the problems this time narratively with it than I might have before like just listening to some of the dialogue and kind of knowing I think it was was it the sophomore film of Schrader I think it's like his his second picture I could kind of pick up blue Blue collar was in there yeah blue and blue collar is amazing I I saw blue collar around the same time and I started (laughs) to get into Schrader's stuff and he's one of those yeah, guys that it's he's so well known as a writer that it's like I have to do something in my brain to think my god he's probably made almost as many films as Scorsese by this time but you still think of him as a screenwriter first so really interesting stuff like this film, Cat People all the stuff he did you know, subsequently there's always something interesting about it but for this one uh, that underworld, that C D underworld that's what really kind of drew me to it and 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 seeing it again with george c scott it's it's a hilarious role it's an over-the-top role it's a crazy role and i enjoyed kind of taking that trip in trip down that lane again with it uh knowing more about what i know now you know with this with this kind of cinema too and there was one point in my teaching career where i talked about exploitation movies and white coders and all this kind of stuff uh with the with the adult cinema because at Carleton University, when you're in your second year, you watch porn stuff in class. Like you screen Deep Throat. You screen this kind of material. Uh so sort of looking at it from that angle, this film's got some really interesting stuff, not just the LA stuff, but mm-hmm. the storefront theater. You know, the the place where he first sees his daughter in the sort in the eight millimeter loop. That's that's something you don't see much in movies like these cheap little almost like set up like what what would be at a strip mall now kind of cinema yep. so i think that's that's really interesting and i 50 think the whole up, story is it? really interesting Fifty-two to backup yes right yeah. perfect double bill with this movie by the way that's a good yeah
0: it would have been I, I was thinking that when you especially during the eight se- millimeter sequence this is just needs roy scheider in it just getting angry <laughs> yeah. or john glover, who's <laughs> or john glover <laughs> looking like you know Hello, crystal meth, Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool, awesome. Uh, oh, wonderful opening impression. Now, follow that, Jack. Well, Jack Luke Sharp, in the house. Follow this. What ironies, do you think?
2: The irony is, I'm, I sort of, I'm exactly the same as Tony. This is my first conscious Paul Schrader film, where obviously I'd seen Taxi it's <laughs> one of my favourite films, um, which is like such like, a, I suppose, is an incel thing to say now. Um, but... I never sort of took precedent of, of of who the writer was. I was always just fixated on Scott and I think as, as someone who gets into as, as a cinephile probably would do anyway. So it was sort of a strange um, journey to find Paul Schrader. So the, the the reason I first ever watched Hardcore was of, of same as Tony's. Uh, I bought the Indicator Blu-ray, and I only bought it because I loved the cover. Um, what? Yeah, 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 exactly. Because it was because when they first came out, they only had a few drops. It was that and a Sydney Portier film and, a, and a, a, a few other bits and pieces. Who's
0: who, who's coming to dinner? No, who's it who's was to Sir
2: with Love. I think it was. All oh, right. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah. So I'll check this out. This will this will be good. And I watched it the first time and was sort of like, you you do sort of get engulfed in this story and I'm, it's very bleak. It's very Paul Schrader. Uh, and then I, I went back and I saw Yakuza with Robert Rich- Mitchum, and then I picked up a few pieces of his, uh, but was mainly sort of brought back on the track with the recent resurgence of like First Reformed, and then um, the, the 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 card counter, which uh, mm-hmm. I, I saw, I saw at the premiere of Venice which I, I thought was amazing. I haven't seen the Master Gardener and I haven't seen more of his smaller features. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to watch Affliction with Nick Nolte. I need to see that. Um, mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, yeah. Blue Collar, I've got to pick up and stuff like that. Um, I've seen I've seen, I've seen a lot of his r- written things. So I've seen Rolling Thunder, uh, which is very interesting to talk about this with, with the, the screenplay. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed this on on first viewing. It's very hard to watch, ironically enough. And the second time I watched it, this is the third time I've seen this. And I don't think I'll ever see this film again. And not because I dislike it. I just I feel like my, my journey with this film has, has, has probably ended on its second viewing. I've just watched this again with, with you guys because I wanted to, to, to discuss that internally for myself. But for me, I think after its second viewing, I've seen everything it's got to say. I know everything it's got to say. It doesn't have legs for me and I, I don't know why. I enjoy it um, to a degree of, as entertainment value of this film can be. I find it incredibly sturdy as a character piece. There are, as what Tony said as well, you do sort of pick up more and more issues and and the screenplay is going to be one major one for me again. Oh, we'll get to it. Yeah, exactly. We'll get to it. But it was interesting reading, if anyone doesn't know, I'm not a particularly great fan of Tarantino, um, I like his work. I just don't love it. But Jakob was... And Nick we was, need
3: to get a medic in oh, here.
2: fuck off. Uh, but th- these two were on Twitter were talking about like cinematic speculation. And m- my father-in-law <laughs> yeah. bought me the book at Christmas, and it's just been sad. Good on him. Yeah. He, well, he, he's, a, he's a man of great taste, Richard. He'll, he'll love that. Um, just Can you give him a hug for me? <laughs> I will do. I will do. I so, love this guy. In, in the love summer, him. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer heat, with I thought, fuck it, I'll read it. And I was reading everything. I was like... So that's how I watched Rolling Thunder for the first time. And I watched the um, Robert Duvall film with Parker. Uh, the, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, is it The Outfit? Yes. Yes. And I was like, oh, wow, this is strange because like, he's picking some movies I really like here. And then he talked Directed
0: by the same guy too, who did Rolling Thunder. Oh, yeah.
2: Yes. So- I, I, sure. I, as I is watched it, it, it was is. like when I found out it was on hardcore as well, and then you guys were touching it. I was like, I need to talk about it. So it'd be, I really appreciate his opinion of it, and, and to get your, your your threes as well. But um, I feel like I've gone as far as I can with this film. I, I really do. I really enjoy it. Like I said, for what it what it offers, but for me, I, I just don't see any any further value, and I, I think there's issues with that. But I'm, I'm interested to see what what you guys think of it because for me, it's like good tier Schrader, but it's um it's definitely a great uh, period of time when he made that film with the thematics he's got which I'll, i will talk about later it couldn't have been made any any other time and it's a perfect thing of just the dawn of video as well um so i, I enjoy it but for me that i just don't ever see how, how this film's got legs
0: all right we're gonna to get to all of this, I think. So we'll see if, if I can make you hate it more, which is. I oh, no, I don't hate like, it superpower. at all. I think it, oh, <laughs> oh, just you wait—like three hours from now. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell! I, Tony, I hope I I hope you don't have anywhere to go. I might bring because it's no, <laughs> gonna take a while. I, I might I bring to.
1: If we I get back to Randy,
2: we're fine. Yep. If we if finished. we go past the uh 120 minute mark, I'm gonna bring the fucking whiskey and I'm gonna have to. Gonna, I won't be able to sleep otherwise. <laughs>
0: what do you mean if?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, when, <laughs> Yeah, maybe so I'm when. kidding myself. Maybe I'm kidding myself
0: casino you know, like like we just recorded water world uh and because you know like we're just excited out of time and then what is essentially turned turned into um, a commentary track for the ulysses cut where you get that you can start like <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes ahead of watching it yes
3: <laughs> yeah with the pre-show <laughs> <laughs> so as as a, pro pro
1: ulysses cut is that what you're saying that's the that's uh, the ultimate cut right i'm
3: I'm mostly I don't don't need the Ulysses cut and yeah no. it is decidedly no no decide,
0: no no I decidedly I decidedly think Ulysses cut is uh, detrimental to, to Waterworld as a movie I think there is a reason why why this movie was trimmed to a theatrical two hours and fifteen minutes is because there's forty five minutes of crap in it <laughs> and then all of a sudden like you sh- you just trim out the fat all of a sudden it's five stars like look at that anyway. <laughs> Well, all uh, power
1: to Schrader here, though. Like the film, this film is still under two hours, which I can't say about most movies released. You know that would be trying to take be taken seriously right now. There's no way it would be under two hours, and and I was ready to say that about the first halfway through the film. I was like, "Ah, this is going at a great pace," and then and then it gets just very talky and. I know you guys yeah. are gonna get into it too. I, but- I completely yeah. agree with you with that, Tony, as well. Yeah, I do too. No,
0: there's there's something to be said about the pacing and how it goes off the cliff yeah. uh in this movie in this movie. But then yeah. Like nowadays, you could imagine like someone like Ty West could probably do it and it would be please. like a ninety minutes stop. <laughs> I, anyway. Simon West, maybe I don't I don't think like Ty West. Simon West. <laughs> <movies. God, laughs> scandalous. Randy, tell us okay. how you how, how much mm. you like hardcore and then so, how your journeys ended with it or something. I don't know. <laughs>
3: My, my journey began with this film, actually, as I recall from from Tony. I recall Tony talking about this when we were in university, That's and right. I don't really remember there was a a copy. I don't remember a copy. Do you remember of VHS what he said being, to you? I <laughs> oh, was, was just talking. Like... I think we were just talking about <laughs> Taxi Driver and Paul Schrader stuff, and. And he he was talking favorably about uh, hardcore. Like, I haven't seen hardcore, and I don't recall. Like, I've it seen this five times. I haven't app. seen Patton,
0: but I've seen this five times. <laughs> <laughs> he
3: didn't go on. See, about I Patton. thought
1: I thought we watched it together at one point, but I no, couldn't.
3: no, I hadn't seen it no. for. Okay, uh, I hadn't seen it until a few years ago. This was so. This was on my bucket list for a couple of decades, and then a few years ago, I saw it. So anyway, wow. I, watching it again, um, yeah, I really like this. I really feel Schrader's voice in here as a writer, like the. You know, the tormented male, like he's really, really good at at writing this piece. And I really feel his voice in here as um, a writer, maybe not quite fully as a a strong director yet. Um, That's just sort of my my take. But uh, like this, this tortured father business and, you know, these conflicting worlds like I love I love the contrast between. Um, you know, the, the going to church and the, the family Christian meals and then the seedy underworld of L.A. like this, this contrast is is fantastic. And it sort of speaks to me to um, this creation of a picture of an American identity crisis where you sort of have, you know, this is who we think we are, the God fearing, the family centric. We've got a, We've got all these values and help one another and love one another. But this is who we really are. You know, we're sleazy. We do what we want. We don't notice our daughters or pay attention to them. All
0: these Amer- all these Drive Republican, people away. All these Republicans. Every single Republican has a gimp suit in their house.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I really like this. I'm um, watching it this time. I, I feel there's there's some things that are a little bit undercooked. Um, lightly browned, but probably need another 10 minutes in the oven to be honest, yeah, you know like the relationship with the daughter and maybe why he's so alone and uh, there's, there's just some other little strands here and there which don't necessarily feel that they connect smoothly. Um, but as a piece of world building as a, as a piece of these sort of conflicting worlds and a conflicted you know central character and you know honestly having George C. Scott and Peter Boyle, um, who are increasingly becoming two of my favorite actors of the '70s. Um, yeah, honestly, Roy Scheider is the only guy we're missing in here because John, John Glover. Tony mentioned John Glover, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, John Glover in here. But, but Peter As Boyle, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. I love that guy. Like he's so great in the film Joe Ableton, one of Ableton's first films. It's amazing. So yeah, Peter Boyle is just fantastic here. George C. Scott. I'm starting to watch some of his catalog of films and he's just sort of an interesting exciting guy to watch, watch even when he's sort of overacting and it's like oh my gosh is this is this really good or is this really bad acting but he's just completely <laughs> absorbing. Love it's this just guy. because he's drunk. <laughs> Man, maybe that's the piece but <laughs> wow. uh, anyway those two very commanding performances in here I like this a lot I sort of see some of the some of the flaws I think that this is a really really strong script in a way just because it's got these elements which I really think are well done but it, it Maybe it doesn't entirely come together, but yeah, largely I really really like this.
0: Cool. Uh, okay, I think I've seen this just on, from my angle. I've, I had seen this before a few years ago. It was one of those that just like I, I was aware of it for a while, and I was just it was kind of on on my to do list for a very long while. And I caught up with this, I don't want to say like six, mm. seven years ago. I don't know. It was on movie, so I just like now, okay, now's the time because it was at the time when Mubi only had 30 films at, the, at any given point in time. So I remember this.
2: Have, like, wow, mm-hmm. fuck.
0: Yeah. It was really good because it kind of forces you to go just like, wow, I, I might as well just yeah. watch it because in like 30 days, this is gonna be gone. So and yeah, and they really yeah. had good selections of, of things just because they were on such short uh, licenses. <laughs> anyway, so I watched it on Mubi, and then um weirdly enough, this is I've done this so many times. Because I would watch something on movie, and then I immediately I would like it, I would imedi- immediately buy it on Blu-ray with an express knowledge of not ever watching it. <laughs> 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 it's just like I really like it. I'm gonna put it on my shelf and look at the cover. Okay? So so this is what I did. So I bought the indicator Blu-ray blu- blu- of it, and then now I picked it up from the shelf and watched it. You know, as it was intended to be seen. Well. I don't know maybe. Maybe it wasn't intended to be seen like a, in like a CD theater I suppose. Anyway, so I I I really liked it on the first go and I think I like it slightly less oh, because wow. I think yeah, because I think on the first go, I want to say I mean okay. <clears throat> I think I kind of agree with Tarantino on this which is a, in in that there's a movie of this is a movie of two halves where the first half is decidedly way way stronger than the second because you kind of get invested in the world. It's kind of sleazy. It's very lurid. And, and Schrader really indulges in r- really trying to capture the sort of the aesthetic of, um, of of the world he's he's dropping George C. Scott's character into. Mm-hmm. And then he shits the bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of, like, narratively speaking, like, you start noticing, like, wow, these um, these characters make choices that make no sense. And then it's... I mean, they start making some s- s- stupid choices earlier on but then I the thing it, it kind of just it starts catching up with you and there are moments where it just slows down because i think he realizes that george c scott and the, uh, the character nikki uh season hubley's character they don't have they don't have much chemistry in common so it just stages these fake conversations about religion between them it's just like why why are we doing this um so i think there's the, this this, mo- this movie eventually just loses momentum and then I think almost to to a point where the filmmakers themselves, as they re- as they realize, they 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 think, shit, we need to stage something for the ending, so they kind of just cobble something up. So it's it's a very, it's a movie that kind of bottles it, I think, at the end. But I like it nonetheless. I only like it slightly less than than I used to. Overall, still a positive experience, and. Um, I do appreciate like I, mean, I do appreciate Trader as a filmmaker, as a as a screenwriter and a director. Even though I have I have many many holes when it comes to his filmography, <clears throat> although I have a feeling now now that I've watched a bunch of his movies, like some or maybe I was just unlucky to or or lucky as it was because some of them are really great. Um, that really kind of just look like he likes to go to go back to the well, to this sort of the revenge or sort of fantasy um, a lot. Which, it's not a dig, like, Tarantino does it all the time. Yeah. It's just like certain mm-hmm. filmmakers love love, love mm-hmm. coming back to essentially remake the same movie um, a lot of the time. But this is this is kind of what I wanted to kind of open with because I have a bunch of angles we can we we can get into, and then just like I, I'd like to kind of use these angles to kind of just probe at certain things about this this movie that I, I hope are, are of interest. So let's start with this because I think it's impossible, and we we've all touched on this in, in some way or another because the the name tax the title Taxi Driver has been dropped a bunch of times in here. I think it's impossible to talk about this movie without actually putting it in context of Schrader's first sold script, which is Taxi Driver, and John of The Searchers. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you how do you see this movie in the context of the sort of the legacy of what, what came before? Specifically, that I, 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 in my opinion, I don't think it would be accidental to connect these three movies together. Specifically, because Schrader himself was a critic as well, so he was probably well aware of what he was doing. It's not an accident. So how do you think? These movies are kind of tied into each other, and what does it kind of say about Traders film film and Traders as a filmmaker as well? How do you, how do you feel about that?
2: I don't, Not all at once. I don't mind. I, I don't mind going further. <laughs> I'm gonna probably show my ass here. Um, I haven't seen John Ford's searches, so we can get that out of the way straight away. So I can't really discuss that, but I do think mm-hmm. that um, the that the taxi driver and the whole the whole thematic of a ma- of a man who's sort of uh, oppressed. Um, and represses himself in a way. He's, he's quite interesting because he comes from a very religious... Is it a Dutch background he has? Where it's, it's it's
0: Dutch, Dutch Calvinist. Yeah, yeah it's, right? it's, it's,
2: it's incredibly strict. And I think cinema is such an interesting <clears throat> way out for him to, to, to look at certain elements that, are, that, that discuss other thematics, other themes, tones, families, um, history, uh, cultures, so it's an interesting out for a lot of a lot of people. And I think it's it's interesting that he, he he touches on on that within this film in a different context of someone going into sort of quote unquote a lurid um, um, a profession of of, of uh, pornographer. So I've always seen it such as that where he, he looks at he's, he's always it's always been a very angry man, and, and I don't mean that to be a detriment. I think that a lot a lot of people, especially men. Who are, who are boxed in at very early ages of their life uh, find it very difficult to, to discuss that uh, thematic throughout their life. It, it becomes a, an idea of, of quite toxicity. Not necessarily through the projection of masculinity, which is like more the Brando side of it, but more sort of the, the ideological side where, you know, Schrader is a, is a man who wants to write, he wants to discuss the world, he wants to get into the nitty gritty of it. And I think where he, when he was probably born and raised, that just wasn't a thing. You believed one thing; and it was the book. You didn't believe anything else, um, or you yeah. believed in, in, in the moral of the of the right wing man. So it's interesting that we we look at this and every film he, he sort of latches himself on is a is an indictment of, of a, the culture or the um, or a certain theme around it. You know, climate change were first reformed this with with pornography or, or just not so sort just. Repression, or- gambling
0: with the card counter. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, no,
2: no. But that's so, also about. Out. it's about fi- it's about Iraq yeah. war. <laughs> fi- yeah, yeah, fight fighting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think, I think that that's the sort of ideology I get from his films. But I, I do agree with you about the taxi driver thing, because because obviously you read this, the script for like Rolling Thunder, and you read and he's like, he tries to add Travis Bickle in there as like a, a nod and a wink. And then you look at this and you can look at Iris as the uh, uh, Jodie Foster's character being being Nikki in here. There's a lot of like mm-hmm. tones and they get intertwined a lot. And you could probably argue that there are children in their own right. I'm glad he didn't make this as his, as his debut. I'm so glad this is a sophomore because this man wouldn't work again. Um, it's like uh, it's like Brian De Palma's... I, t- I don't know if you know this. Story, I, I, I love Brian De Palma. I, I, I always see like a career in the 70s. I always try to compare it to him. But he he chose Sisters as his debut because it was a commercial and B something you could craft. And he chose he studio he, debut, right? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Because obviously he'd he done like made like in three Heimann. films before. Yeah, and he was he'd like, he had he had been working for a decade. Heimann. Yeah, but but it was his commercial sort of studio p- picture, um, and then he turned Taxi Driver down because he cause he wasn't commercial enough. But I think I think he was a director. Who ironically, was afraid of touching those themes, whereas Scorsese he wasn't. And I think Schrader as a director. Was probably the only right man for the job here. Um, that's probably where I, that's where I see that like the, the initial uh, operandi, like him, just wanting to analyse an aspect of culture that isn't particularly sort of spoken about, but also not given um, a particularly great light upon. Such as you know, when we look at climate change now, we see just stop oil, and we look at the media and there's the certain terminology we use to describe them when. You could ar- argue that they're doing the right thing, um, but it's how they go about it. And I think he, he sort of tries to do this here, but I do agree with you. For the first half, it's a very different to the second half. And I don't know. I don't know if this film. If it'd be interesting if this, if anyone knew if this was shot chronologically, because I, I have a theory that if this was shot chronologically in, in, in production, I can imagine he got some people got the the, the the dailies from the first half of the film and thought we need to can go back to this and we need to have, have a look. And my second thing is I just think he got bored of working with, with Scott. You know? I, I've, I've heard fights of them on set. Like, he would, like, Apparently prom- Scott wouldn't leave the trailer every yeah. now and again. But he, he made, <laughs> he made um, Schrader, <laughs> Schrader promise he would never make a film again after this. And Schrader yes. <laughs> promised and then made. Oh, he, went <laughs> I, on,
1: he went on like a three-day drinking binge yeah. with some other actor. <laughs> it's a, and uh, I, constant. Yeah, and,
2: I, and I think after working with like Pryor, who was an ego... Um, but before in Blue mm. Collar to then do this with the movie star and De Palma also had this with Olson with Wells as well you, you sometimes have to face that and it's make or break so it'd be interesting to hear Schrader's side of it but that's the two theories I have but again I, I only see that the taxi driver this and Rolling Thunder as a, as a man mm. trying to work out certain aspects of life through the medium of film I don't necessarily see it any for, sort of further than that I don't even think it's an internal struggle Well, def- he's here because of the religious side but I don't, I don't think that um, Paul Sh- uh, Paul Shredder sees himself as a Vietnam vet coming over. He sees himself as a, a, in, in Rolling Thunder and allegedly in, in Taxi Driver. But I think there's more to that film than, than meets the eye. But especially in Rolling Thunder, he's just a man who who wants to understand another part of the world. And here he does a really inter- interesting job with the subtext that this is also an aspect of cinema. So there's mm. loads to sort of dissect here, loads. But that's what where I would start anywhere.
0: Cool. Tony, how about you? you've well, listened to all these commentaries, you probably have some nuggets in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, I've wow. got some stuff.
1: So. Uh, it's funny, The Searchers, mm-hmm. because having been a film school guy, I feel like that's one of the three that I was forced to watch so many times. And I'm ready to say that this is not as boring to me as The Searchers. This is like, <laughs> the not boring Just, searchers. Let's be
0: honest, like The Searchers is so rough.
1: I I had to watch the searchers for like a final exam one time in film school, you know, where it's like, you've got all these questions and things. So, so I'll never watch the searchers again. I do have the blu-ray somewhere, but I feel like every film student geek has to have it for some reason, (laughs) but uh, I do see the connections. I think one of my notes watching this, getting to the end of it was, man, like I wish this was a little bit more like taxi driver. Um, in, in the way the script is presented, like I don't think of Taxi Driver as something that ever gets bogged down. It just it just builds and builds and builds. It's got a similar kind of aesthetic, but Taxi Driver still in every sequence I think it works. I don't know if that's just Scorsese uh, or the collaboration between the two of them or what it is, but in this in this film I think it 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 slows down so much in this la- in this most recent viewing for me by the end of it that I think uh, <laughs> whereas I, st- I start by saying The Searchers is kind of slow. This one slows down, but I still I prefer the world of this film. So I think as, uh, as Jake was saying earlier, that's probably what attracted to me most, first of all. It's hard to say where I put this with Schrader's career, but autofocus is the one I think that's being neglected, and that's a film that not a lot of people talk about, but it's another very porn-adjacent and I think you did it. I remember him doing a really good job with that stuff, but I feel it's been, it's kind of been forgotten a little bit more than hardcore mm-hmm. has been. And I don't know if that's because maybe this Tarantino book too, which has inspired a lot of people to go back to some of these. But, but I feel hardcore is quite a strong curiosity. But where it fits in, uh, where it fits in with, with both these guys, I think Schrader's commentary, he definitely said, that he didn't feel like he was strong enough at the time to direct this quite the way he wanted. I think he lost some battles. I think you guys mentioned Mm -hmm. the season, uh, the Nikki character and Mm -hmm. season Hubley being sort of, I think Diana Scarwood, she's the one from Mommy Dearest. She's also in Psycho 3. And I can can see that. I can actually see why he'd be interested. She's got kind of a very forlorn expression and she's actually not unlike the girl that plays George C. Scott's daughter in this um in terms of how she comes across although i think this this girl is a pretty bad actress that plays the daughter in this but diana <laughs> scarwood's got some really good style actually quite a defender of psycho 3 and her role in that so i can see i can understand that from schrader and i remember the comments that he made uh where he felt like they wanted someone that was a little bit more like a prettier more attractive and season hubley i think at the <laughs> time was married to kurt russell or Thank this you, was right? Yeah, right, right they around on the Elvis
3: movie, I think.
1: Right on the Elvis Carpenters movie, Elvis. And it's I know her. Yeah. season Hubley was a little bit of a weak factor for me in this, but I know her from also Vice Squad, which has the great Wings uh-huh. or over-the-top performance. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. hmm Awesome.
1: Like, what's your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll say this about the, about the Searchers. I sort of like the Searchers, but yeah, it's it's sort of slow, and oh um, and I think I I read that. Uh, Schrader was very deliberate about, you know, sort of building this idea off of the searchers' framework about you've you've got this this character that has to go into the belly of the beast and he sort of changes himself at the end. So um, I, I think that this is just really Schrader's way to. Um, get this character and and get this, uh, contrast and, and these conflicting worlds to together. And, you know, the searches is a, is a great Mm -hmm. model for that. So, um, but yeah, like to me, I think that, again, I'll go back to like this, this idea of these conflicting worlds. Like that's sort of what, uh, sells me on this is I, I really do like the setup at, at the beginning with the church hymns and just this, you know, Polished Grand Rapids, and everyone you know gets along. And I think that Schrader very much like this is this is the world he grew up in. Like I think I was reading that he mm-hmm. was the He's guy. He's Calvinist. He, yeah, he yeah, was and Calvinist. he wasn't allowed yeah. to go out and he, socialize until really end of high school, right? So he like, grew
0: up in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Y- yes.
3: Yeah, that's right. So and like this is very much his world, and I think in a way, uh, George C. Scott, it, you like know, his dad. is his dad. And I, so I think that he, I also think that Schrader is just a really sharp, sharp mind and academic and thinker. And so many of these Schrader protagonists that we see are these men with all kinds of things going on on the inside. Um, but they've got some sort of psychological, I'll say, uh, cage that they're just sort of trapped. And, you know, and that's why some of the, you know, some of the the endings are so cathartic. <clears throat> I would also agree with, with the statement that, um, and I think I said it earlier too, is that I, I feel that as a director, he's not quite there. So whereas you get the tail end and this sort of cathartic end to Taxi Driver in a way, it's almost sort of dreamlike. There's different ways that you can sort of process the ending of Taxi Driver, but here it's fairly literal. And I, I don't know um, if... Schrader had certain ideas and because you mentioned, Tony, that maybe some there were some battles where some of these ideas taken away from him. Is is this just and Jakob, you had said, and this is sort of right, too, that, you know, it loses momentum. I would say that all the momentum from the beginning is just there. But, you know, just inertia keeps it going at the same <laughs> at the same pace. It's not building any uh, a dec- extra momentum at all. In fact, there's probably some friction and it's slowing down by the end. Um, because the end sort of does run out of steam, I, I think. And I, I wish I knew a little bit more about the ending. It's it's okay because the film sort of has to get there. And as you're watching it, you know that it's got to come to some sort of a, a head. Um, but it, that all feels relatively weak, uh, I'll say. Um, and it's just sort of, you know, chugging along a bit at the end. So, yeah, there's a few pieces in here. But, you know, the, the business with uh, Scott being in a way, like a very typical uh, Schrader protagonist with, you know, a lot a lot of trauma or a lot of stress and being a man, not being able to express it, not being able to ask for help. Like all these things are part of the Schrader protagonist as well. It's like, you know, there's this, this man who's who's suffering and going through stuff but has a job to do and or, or he has to go into the belly of the beast or whatever. Um, that's all here and that's, that to me mm-hmm. is some of the best stuff in it. And it's sort of... You, you feel it sort of has to play out this way but it's it's not necessarily special in how it does
0: mm-hmm. I, yeah I, because I've been, the more i think about it the more actually i find this almost problematic for me like the idea that this movie is sort of connected at the hip with taxi driver and the searchers like i watched the searchers this week because i had never seen it. i was just like i need to kind of see this just for for context and jesus christ this is a difficult movie to sit through because it's so
1: it really is so and many just, doorways
0: it's no, but then it's also like um like some movies like you know we're just like oh it's a product of its time but then and then you know you have to watch it for a through a certain lens but you watch this and you and you think to yourself wow i i have to get on the shoulder of a guy who's essentially a racist like this is not a very good look for anyone right because if you think about like john wayne's character in the searchers he hates the comanches yeah. like he Hates them, and he's paired up with someone who's like he calls <laughs> calls him a half breed, right? Martin polly and the in his the sidekick character would be Nikki here, right? Or Iris and taxi driver, right? No, it's not Iris and taxi driver, but yeah, it's he, this sidekick on the sort of hunt for for the for for the for the, for the uh, his niece who got kidnapped by the Comanches, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the stuff that gets said in there and done. It's just like it, it just. It, you just feel almost a little bit uncomfortable, and I'm just thinking to myself. Especially if you if you actually read um, what's a, what's behind the scenes in Taxi Driver and the original script versus how it was shot and how, the changes they've made. Like uh, like um, Harvey Keitel's character was black in the script, mm-hmm. and then like if people realize like if we do this, like this guy doesn't doesn't kill anybody else who's not black in this movie. This, this is just this sort of the moral panic movie almost. Like it's, this is weird. Right, and I'm just thinking to myself like is is schrader having a problem himself that he's dealing with there's just subcutaneous yeah i don't, i don't i don't i don't I i don't know, but then so th- th- there's some considerable moral panic baked into these movies on the back of the fact that the searchers is kind of built on the same i think so sort of foundation of this weird um like just I, yeah, I, yeah this irrational fear of otherness right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. so I, I feel i feel george c scott's character is, almost, is dropped into this world that he doesn't understand and he he doesn't understand this world and he hates it right mm-hmm. um travis bickle drives his taxi and he hates everyone everyone around him it's just like he just makes these comments and uh, yeah there's an argument to be made i think that you know th- this this movie it ends with him just completely just being detached from his from reality, and he's just we're just looking what at what's in his head, right? It's a dream from for him. But then I I just pull back and I and I realize, like there's so many trilogies by the way in Trader's catalog when people have identified there's the sort of you know first reformed, the card counter and the master gardeners like that's a trilogy, and then there's your taxi driver, uh, temptation of Christ, and uh, bringing out the dead. That's a trilogy, and then there's. You could almost see tax, taxi driver, Rolling Thunder, and this, the searchers again, or whatever. And you feel think, think to yourself like there's eight movies in here where he's essentially just doing. The, he he can't get out the sort of the John Ford sort of uh, thing out of his system mm-hmm. for nearly his entire mm-hmm. career, right? And um which is fair enough for me, as long I, as you know, because it's like Marge in The Simpsons getting the Chanel sort of <laughs> the dress, and she just keeps rejigging it, I I,
2: but. I, 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 I do think that's that's a product of his environment um, as a child, as through his youth as well, where he wasn't mm-hmm. able to process those things, and he does it through the the form of writing, and, the, and then furthermore into cinema. It's an interesting lens to look through that because it ultimately ages the minute it's created. Mm-hmm. You can't really sort of evolve the film. The film can evolve in different ways, but you, you, you as your voice, you can't ever affect it again. So I, I do I do wonder, like you said, I think he would change aspects mm-hmm. of this definitely, but. Um, it's interesting to get I mean, his opinion of it now and then see how then he reflects it in, in further films in that trilogy, perhaps. Maybe that's his idea. I don't know. But I, I, get, I agree with you. He's a, he's a man who who just can't quite kick it, kind of. He needs to sort of really pull yeah. it out of his system.
0: I mean, for me, like, just... I, I don't want to kind of just derail this into con- conversing about this, his entire filmography, but I just... When I was writing up my review for Master Gardener, I was thinking to myself, like, he essentially got, like, alpha-widowed by a taxi driver. It's the first script he ever written, and it, it, it wrote such a banging script that he couldn't get over it. Almost <laughs> like I'm just thinking to myself, which is fine. But I'm, uh, but at some point, I'm, yeah. You, you just think to yourself, okay, Paul. I think it's time. <laughs> it's well, time the, you moved on. You the, know? The, the irony because of that.
2: Like, sorry, I just said very quickly. The irony of that is that yeah. he, when he was writing that in New York, he had a deadline to to, to go to Columbia with it, and if he didn't do it, he was going to shoot himself in the head. So that there's, there's a lot of psychological underpress there because he was, was sure moonlighting himself yeah. in the head, would he? Yeah, he it was, it was moonlighting himself as a taxi driver during the day to work forward in the night than to write about the experience. So it's a dead-end cycle. And I think it's on record that he was like, uh, uh, he, had, he had a revolver in his drawer and he had a mm-hmm. deadline. If he wasn't going to hit it, He's going to pull the trigger. I think.
0: Wasn't that Scorsese who, um, no, that, who that's had a, a revolver? And no, that's that, another guy who tried to. No, he wanted to go and shoot people in the MPAA if
1: he didn't yes. give him the, the rating. Yeah. No, I think that, 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 Scorsese that's a, wanted to shoot people. Schrader wanted to shoot himself. Shoot himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think Fair that's enough, that's an
2: anyway. urban legend created by Tarantino as well. If you can trace that back.
1: Well, because I think um, I think.
2: It, uh, Score says he liked to snort certain things up his nose. I don't think that man was ever sort of gonna be doing anything else during that era. Whereas Schrader was writing it down and and, and but again, get to, to to the serious nature of that, like there's a lot of psychological torment there. And once you give that up and it's, it's yeah. out in the world, what else do you do after mm-hmm. that? And I think he he's probably never he's remember that's so that's so that's so massive on a psychological damage. I don't think you mm-hmm. ever get rid of that. It's like a ripple in the brain, isn't it? You don't you have to fight that every day.
3: I think you're right. And I think this probably goes to the, the wiring he got from his childhood, you know, because if he's 16, 17, 18 and quite probably the smartest kid in his class, and he's always ever told, keep it in, don't emote, you know, you know, no, you can't go out to community theater. No, you can't go to the dance. And just, you know, if he's just always sort of, you know, go to your room, Paul, go to your room. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think there's probably a piece that, he's just got a lot to say. And I think that he's very articulate and very smart. And, you know, so I think that this business of, you know, the man with a lot of us on on his mind, that's just sort of the well that he keeps going back to. And I think Mm -hmm. probably he just sort of grew into that maybe in, in his own home growing up.
0: So on this note, by the way, because this is something I, I wrote down for myself, because this is kind of okay. It's a mat- matter of public record, I think, that you know, like Grand Rapids, Michigan, is the town he grew up in, um, and then he modeled George C. Scott's character after his father, right? Is there more to this in terms of this movie being autobiographical for you guys? Is there some? Is there something? Is this text sort of a bit more sort of personal for him, or is this just as as simple as as you know? Okay, well I'm. My my dad was also a very conservative figure who hated television, and they said like oh, these people go to LA and look at how they turn up, you know.
2: You know, to to answer that with the question is that let's say that Isla Davis's character is based on him essentially wanting to run away and going to Hollywood. Let's say, the the, mm-hmm. the question is, do you think Paul Schroeder at that age wanted to be found by his father? Did he want to go back and and for his father to understand or, or to see? to to what Paul wanted to do or or did Paul Schrader want not to be found and left there? I think that's the interesting aspect because to me, I'm like, I'm on both sides. I think he needed someone to make a statement that they cared about him in a way that like, Mm -hmm. you know, come home like Mm -hmm. Isla Davis's characters. I think that's why that ending might work for Paul in in a more of a self substantial uh, way way to not, not in a bad way, but to feed his ego a little bit. But if you look at the original ending, which we'll talk about soon, because I have a lot to say about that. I think that's the way Paul Schrader would have liked it—that him to just disappear somewhere and become someone else, and not have to deal with the background mm. of, you know, that, that that thing was waiting for him when he went home. I think that that's a really, really sad, um, and poignant look at that film, and I can't help but think either either ending—the uh, the 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 one that we got or the the intended one—speaks volumes on Paul Schrader and about about his relationship Mm. with his father, about about his relationship about wanting to go home or not wanting to go home. I think the film, if it followed Isla Davis, perhaps a bit more, it would be a substantially different film. I think that would probably be an even... Again, that's the Irish character of Taxi Driver. She could go home any day. Why doesn't she go home? But she could just get in that taxi and go, but she always goes back. And I think that's what he's trying to get at. But if you would ask Paul Schrader then... if If you'd ask Paul Schrader as a child at I- Isla Davis's age in this film, I think he would tell you one answer. I think Paul Schrader would tell you a different answer when this film was being made. I think Paul Schrader would tell you an even different answer now. I just think that's how it evolves. I mean, either way, it's 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 haunting to know that you want to run away. and You don't know if you want to be found. Oh, that's, that's fucking terrifying to me, on a subtextual level anyway, but it's definitely an important aspect of this film.
1: There is. I, I don't know if it. you guys are aware of this, but there's. I was telling Randy there's a novelization of this, and the and it and it is from seventy nine eighty, I think. And I I've, I've got it in the Kindle. I wasn't able to finish it <laughs> before this, but it, it's interesting. Some of the stuff you bring up because I think it was written by another Shred, like Schrader's brother. I don't know. If it, oh, I'm yeah. not familiar. I'm not familiar with this it's alternate ending, but the novelization of it gives a lot more backstory between the relationship between the Scott character and his daughter. And there's some great stuff in the opening of that book where she's really into pain and she can't, to to go to church with him, the only way she can tolerate it is to sort of sit there and like be pulling on her own hair and sort of torturing herself in a way because she just can't speak to the father. And there's a lot of this stuff in the early chapters where she's Mm -hmm. just, she's talking about her, Sort of hidden uh, desire for pain. And then, of course, it takes the whole thing later with her getting into the industry in a bit different direction that way. I don't think it's, from what I've read, it's not radically different as I kind of like a lot of the dialogue follows a similar track. But I'm just curious now that you guys are saying that I'm, I'm not as familiar with this, with the other ending but you know how sometimes these novelizations will pick off yes. an earlier draft of a script. No, yeah. uh, so something like that, that might be something interesting to kind of explore and note. And I do feel like Schrader is like an outsider in this world. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, and that's some of the problem I have too, when it comes to some of the pornographic stuff and some of the way that's handled, it feels like someone that there's like a lot of shame or guilt or uh, just kind of a distance he has. And it's funny because if you watch. Michael Chapman's special feature, uh, the interview with the cinematographer on this, he seems very like uh, <laughs> he was very distressed by the represent- representation of the pornography. He was talking about like they had to spend some time in places that smelled so terrible, and <laughs> and he wanted a completely different aesthetic. He wanted this to be shown like a grungier, like a sixteen millimeter kind of grainy. Uh, aspect mm-hmm. and I'm kind of glad he and I'm sorry part of me is glad he didn't go that way because I still think it, it's a beautiful looking film like it looks like a like an Italian horror film at times like the the strong reds and the greens and the colors but I just I, I'd like to know more about that part uh, whether it was um, a studio decision or if it was Schrader pushing to make it a little bit more glossy like it's a very stylized looking movie but I do feel when it comes to some of the representation of the pornography, that it it is over stylized, you know. It is it is a dream world, a bit like we get in mm-hmm. Taxi Driver. But Taxi Driver, I feel it more. Like I feel like we're in the sea. We're That's down Sc- there. We're down That's in the Scorsese's hell. is genius, by
0: the way, right? Yeah. That's right. The difference, right?
1: That's the difference. Here, it's just I see the lighting, but I'm not getting it from the characters as much. I'm not getting that world. I'm getting it from Peter Boyle. I'm getting it from some of the players that come in. But it feels a little bit more like. Someone looking in on a world that they're not fully fully comfortable with, or they mm-hmm. just want to kind of get away from as much as they can. Maybe that works for part of the story. One hundred percent, I agree.
2: One hundred percent, I agree with that. Yeah. Do you know yeah. just, just very quickly because I, I don't want to go over Randy, but I think this is the only well, there might be one of the very few films where every main character is Paul Schrader. Like George, George C. Scott is is an aspect of him. Obviously, <clears> of <throat> him writing is is of course is going to inflict aspects of his personality on these characters, no doubt. But I think when you look at the film, when you, you look at Paul Schrader's ca- ca- personality in, in George C. Scott's character, trying to find or wanting to be found him as, <laughs> as I, 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 Davis is in the fact of wanting to be found or perhaps not. And also in, in, um, in Nikki's character of needing to be found and not being able to, to be found. I think, I think every single character speaks high volumes of him projecting his personality or, his his um ideology or his his needs or wants or aspects of that into these characters i think it's really interesting that every single aspect of it is is mm-hmm. is probably a, a, a part of his personality like strands of it anyway
0: randy do you want to say something
3: uh no like i i agree <laughs> with it, what everyone just said um i'm intrigued by the uh the novelization and uh, Tony, when you were saying there's these moments where we see the the daughter and, you know, she's she's pulling her hair and you, you get these, you know, uh, she's dealing with pain by issuing her own pain maybe as a way. To, yeah, she's almost you know, like a,
1: a cutter, like we would say today, mm-hmm. like a cutter. She finds different ways to to get the through the church sermons. She finds mm-hmm. like she she does little pain things to herself. That's she's, what comes out.
3: Yeah, she's distracting herself. I, I feel this film in a way needs this. And it would be it'd be interesting to see like if, if these were in an early version of the script, because there's pieces here that I don't get the relationship that Scott totally has. I like as a dad, I appreciate oh my god, my kid just went missing and that anxiety, in fact, my anxiety would be far worse when <laughs> we talked about this. Can on- you
0: imagine going to the cinema to watch her star in a porno?
3: Yes, yeah, like this here, I, I, I get this anxiety. Panic. But um, <clears throat> when he actually finds her at the end, I find there's just there's just pieces in there, It's very revealing. You know, she says, um, "What's the line, uh, Jack? You said it." She she said, "I made a note of it, but I don't have it right in front of me." But um, or do I? Like she says something, and it's great. It's great. Uh, He says at one point, too, I can't show love. No one taught me. And then she says something as well Is for I forget what it is that she she says something specific too about, you know, needing love. And like that's it's very revealing. But I don't have any real reason to understand why she went missing. Um, mm-hmm. And we get a little bit of a peculiar what I find a peculiar scene at this uh, uh, church camp retreat where in these LA. cousins, yeah, in yeah, in <laughs> California, <get> <laughs> yeah, it's a, do you know what playing chicken is? No, what's that? And, you know, one cousin sort of outlines, you know, feels the breast of another and they, they go around in circle and the guy goes around in a circle and every time he goes around a circle, touching your chest, he gets closer and closer to the nipple. This is the only scene, I don't even understand the scene, it's such a weird little piece, um, And I just, I don't feel there are any other clues in there about Mm -hmm. why would she run away? And, you know, is she thinking of seeing other boys? Because this scene is weird, but it's the only thing I think that um, alludes to it. So there's some good stuff in here with the character development to Mm -hmm. a point. But at the same time, uh, I I feel there are pieces missing that maybe we don't know enough. And we don't need to know a lot, but we don't know enough about... Uh, the daughter. So it's interesting that maybe the novelization sort of tips us off in a way. Not enough more.
1: There's just not enough more still. I mean, can we interject a little bit about this whole thing when Scott first I mean, I timed it this time because I specifically Mm -hmm. remember watching the first time. George C. Scott, when he picks up that phone to learn (laughs) about the daughter missing, and it's, and it's shown in real time, and the book does the same thing. I, I, it, I, seven seconds is how long he's on the phone. He doesn't say goodbye. He just puts the phone down, comes out, and gives us all this exposition about what happened to the daughter. And I mean, his lack of emotion in that moment is so crazy. And just yeah. all the stuff that we got that you know that was impossible in, the, in that short of phone call. And why is it with the cousin who I thought – I mean, it would have been more interesting in a way – I mean i hate doing this where you're sort of what, what you wish happened but but the two girls the niece like why not both of them like why not see a bit more of how they get seduced into this and, and yeah, the when parallel, it just becomes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because yeah, that would have just... been easier
0: right because if they got seduced into this that takes away their agency right because that's their choice that's her choice she runs away she's right. not like in trackdown that she gets drugged into prostitution right or I don't know so that, so you can blame America or whatever the system or <laughs> I don't know or, or like in Trackdown, the Mexicans or something oh, like track that down, you know right
1: yeah. that's a Dennis yeah. Hopper one right is that what uh, no it's no. um
0: Jim Mitchum isn't it okay yeah. um yeah so it's it's essentially hardcore but the guy is looking for his for his sister and then she but you kind of get, get to see the other side of it like in here you see a phone call she's like oh she went missing yeah, you see her go missing and you see uh, we well, don't see the rape, but then there's, because they, they cut away, but there is an implication of violent sexual assault in there. And then there's, the, the, the woman gets really brutalized and drugged and then just, just sold off in sort of like a taken style sort of prosti- prostitution okay. ring. It's, it's, it's really difficult to sit through p- parts of it, but it's, it, I mean, I, I could po- posit maybe there is a, there's a great film to be made out of things that aren't, are here that are not in trackdown down and vice versa. <clears throat> But on this sort of how he, um how George C. Scott's taking forever, for instance, to, um okay, well, he's taking seven seconds and he just lays out the exposition. I don't think this is a lack of emotion. I think it's suppression of emotion. This is his mm-hmm. religious upbringing coming in. And he knows I can't get uh, emotional because this is a sin for him, right? So he's artificially pressing down he composes himself and he delivers it like it was nothing right even though he's dying on the inside so i think this is crucial um another thing i think like when when you guys were saying oh you know like this you don't get this of the pain angle i think yeah i get it because he's running this ultra conservative household like the, the first five minutes when you see these sort of panning cameras in this is this a happy house
1: like we're... Not not for that turkey. Remember that Christmas. <laughs> I remember <there> this, <laughs> He's yeah, yelling see, at I... that turkey. It's so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, this, this turkey is getting just like I don't. It's but funny. this this kid's just there's one kid who's just excessively excited about the turkey. I made a note of it. <laughs> um, but the turkey. Uh, but you know, in, in this house, there are these siblings congregating around the piano, singing hymns, and you think like they don't want to be doing this. They they have to be doing this. This is the thing that you do in this house, and then what they want to be doing is they want to watch TV, and then they watch TV like zombies and no, until they're told not to, right? And then they they put up a short protest, and that's it. That that's the end of it because the elders in the house have the final say. They don't they don't get to have anything to say about anything. So she's so imagine this girl Kristen. I I imagine her at least that you know this makes more sense when you mention oh she's self harming. Of course she's like we don't see it in the film because with the ending that we get, it doesn't play. Because in the ending that we should have gotten, which is where she dies, this would have played much better. Because how this movie was intended by Schrader, I think, before it was rewritten, I think. um, Or you speak to John Milius, he will tell you, Schrader, Schrader did whatever he wanted. No one ever stood in his way. So, I don't know. So there's some self-mythologizing about about you know like the martyrdom of Paul Schrader that you know, the studio got in his way when he, he may have in fact bottled it, but you never know. Like you, you'll you'll, yeah, you'll yeah. never figure it out. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Right. Mm. So, so you can take both sides on this, but um, on this, if she had died in the ending, as in like he finds out that she had died, I think in a car accident or something like this. It's like the Limey almost, right? Um, then it would have made sense because this you could see that through. In the, the man's parental neglect he drove his daughter to death which would be exactly like the limey right um meanwhile so this self-harming would have would have made more sense because she would have bottled her emotions so much that she couldn't really keep it in anymore she would have had to run away and that's and you see this sort of the the evolution of that meanwhile when she comes back home she gets she agrees to come back to this ultra conservative hellish environment where she doesn't have to exp- doesn't get to express her emotions this makes no sense to me i can it's, it's a contrived decision right so so that's kind of how I, I understand where this of the self-harming and this of um the reasons for what what she would be doing what she's doing would come from but it doesn't play very well against against the film that we got yeah
2: i i, I so agree with 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 you Jakob. about i think sub- subconsciously i think there's a this projection through all those themes and tones about how to show how, how to sort of deal with the anguish of anger and pain and and the the, the method of how those characters deal with that. I think is 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 very um, uh, high. It's incredibly highlighted, especially in the in the, uh, the George C. Scott phone call. But I do I do agree with Randy about this the sort of injections of tone here in the beginning where it doesn't strike. I think a dark enough without without it being. Um, it's like you could say it's so covert. It's all, it's 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 so over. It's covert, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he, he comes across as like he, he's quite cheerful. It's a strict. It's a very strict um, family, and the the dinner scene's very strict, you know, with the television. But he he he, he hugs her. He, he he um he's got an affection for his daughter. Uh, he, he he hugs her when she goes to California. He allows her to go on to that California trip with the church as well, which I thought he 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 comes across like quite um not necessarily like. He's open ended in a way where we can see him as a character where he's he, he's empathetic to a certain degree. He's but he
0: hugs her in public, doesn't he?
2: Y- yeah, yeah. I can. It, you you, can, you again. You can argue about like with, with project those. an image in yeah, front of, of the ca- community. of course. Look say, how yeah.
0: happy our family are we. Hmm. But hmm.
1: I,
2: I sort of e- even when he's, even when she watches the the film or the TV and they turn it off and she walks out and she's like he like he like, he like pauses to her and he's like smiling. I sort of agree with with Randy where there's there's, there's sort of like a, a murkiness there where it, it can't decide if it wants to showcase it being incredibly strict or him to being quite open. But I think what the idea was, and this is speaking on behalf of Paul Schrader, is I think he doesn't necessarily want you to understand why she runs away because that's not the point. It's his exploration to deal with that. And I think once we start getting into um, the daughter's are and it, granted she's not in the film for, for at least 90% of it, 95% of it, I think there's a stronger um, idea, thematic within the film because of course mm-hmm. we then have to understand that but we're never going to understand it because <laughs> we don't know why because those scenes of her perhaps um, self-harming or having difficulty to, to maintain that life, I think it, those not being in there for me helps the film. Because we don't understand that, and you know, pe- pe- people are multifaceted. You know, there's not ever a, a right and uh, nothing is is, is purely grey, uh, black and black and white. Sorry, you know, it's it's often grey. I think giving her a mm. reason to run away, we get moments of that. We get sort of small incursions of, well, maybe it's not quite right at home, and that this, the the Scott spot. I mean, the for me, this is enough. No, I, I agree that with you. I agree, I agree with it. I, I
0: think. I see how they, you know, like they, their sexuality is repressed to this idea that, you know, like just say they have to just like talk about, have you played chicken? It's like, you, you see how their youth is all, is kind of, well. It's like ten, 10 years,
2: yeah, 10 years of press, yeah. And no, I completely agree with that. I think the small <clears throat> moments where they work quite well. But,
0: yeah. But, but, like it's not on this like it, like I'm I don't I never feel like I'm being handheld in there like I'm agreed. handheld in other places in this movie yes where agreed. I'm just saying like I'm supposed to just like hold my hand says Paul and believe that this detective somehow found this tape which <laughs> just ridiculous and also rented the cinema instead of just giving him a small projector to the house or, or just like because you know just waiting for that end <laughs> it went all like spared no expense
2: yeah or just like waiting for the climax <laughs> of her like of him to ask her like why did you run away and
3: like for like for her to like answer there's some things in the this the script for me which i think are lovely and subtle i think the opening Lines that you hear in the whole film are two of the kids walking through the house during the the turkey dinner, and the, the kids are talking about, you know, the, having some sort of rash and that they're calling it like pink rot or something. And so I think there's a subtlety say, like, there's a rot underneath what you see here. And it's the first lines of the film, these two kids talking about a rash and having mm-hmm. some sort of rot. Uh, so that's sort of in there, really sort of cleverly. I, st- I still don't see why we see once they. her on the bus why do we see anything from the camp this is all Mm. sort of weird to me i just
0: um because it would yeah because either it would have i think if you if you saw that she just runs away and she does happily take 20 bucks to star in a homemade porno three-way on an eight millimeter camera with just three college kids or whatever how the jism 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 jim describes it right later on right (laughs) then it would have taken away the mystery of trying to figure out why because you're kind of, you're, I think you're supposed to ha- hang on to George C. Scott's shoulder, like yeah supposed to be with yeah, the dad, yeah. trying to Agreed. understand what happened, right? So you you would have been denied this because you're assuming that she's been taken, that she's been seduced by something, and then and then she by mm-hmm. something that that she she thought was different, like she was seduced by the glamour of L.A. and then she ended up in this sort of the city underbelly of porno industry which is weirdly demonized but if you if you don't see it then you kind of yeah you, well, you, well if you do see it then you that you'd have to make a decision early on so i think it makes sense for me
2: i, I also think as well though that scene wouldn't perhaps be in a portrait of film of 2023 i think that's where we talk about like like, like yeah. what tony said about him is not necessarily the confidence to to direct that and i think that's a, a very integral important Sequence in that film that will have ripples, but just is shot quite like in a very strange way. It's not, it's not particularly like fashionable. It's not particularly aesthetically pleasing. It's like it's just two characters zooms in. There we go, and we see it and a close up of a of a caressing the other girl. I think that's a pivotal mm-hmm. scene that he would probably change. I think he would he would give it maybe more nuance. I so would make that even more poignant. I think it's a very integral scene that you you mentioned, Yako, but that shows the oppression, shows the 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 sort of. S- suppression of sexualization or or, or to even be uh, sexually active or to even know what those things are. I mean, not to not know necessarily what chicken is. It's Maybe that's the product of its time terminology-wise,
0: but she's so sort of not well, That's what they invent in, instead of actually yeah, they, socializing they with it, boys yeah. and discovering their bodies and things like that.
2: Yeah, they, like, they like minimalize but, the terms yeah. to make it more sort of like youth-centric. In a way that it's like, oh, because they're essentially, this, they're even younger than they are, because you haven't had that that second wind of probably, they probably don't even get taught menstruation. There's probably absolutely no women's rights in, in, in those circles at all. You know, who who who's is George C. Scott going to take his daughter to one side and explain to her menstruation? Is, is he going to explain to like early signs of pregnancy? You just, those conversations are never going to happen. But again, I have no issue with that sequence itself. I think it says a lot more about the film. Um, verbally as well but i do think that's mm-hmm. that's a pivotal scene he would probably shoot very differently
1: yeah as we're talking about it though i mean i i do kind of appreciate that more now thinking about the mystery aspect of the lack of communication because his niece i mean he doesn't he's not even able to really grill her properly mm-hmm. about what happened so it does work in that way and it, and of course it does set up for which i actually think it works very well in the storefront when we finally see you know, the, the 8 millimeter loop that she's in. And I feel like, <laughs> while I do agree totally that everything is too convenient, like especially all the people he runs into, to the auditions, to everything as it gets through the film. But I think with the Peter Boyle, with the character, uh, and finding this loop reel... It, what just appears best to be the active in the
0: world? Yeah, <laughs> it, it,
1: it's it, it's definitely it's it's way too convenient for how random these things were and and no credits and things. But I guess if he did, I, I guess we're supposed to get the indication that he's quite a sleazy guy too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and maybe he, scre- he, he screened you know, everything. He screened yeah. everything, <laughs> and he's got this collection of loops. But I I think the storefront theater makes sense to me because it's just it's just an eight millimeter place. It's, it probably wouldn't be hard. Like you said, I think he's going to pay the guys off for a bit to watch it there. So I think that's a really effective way to show mm-hmm. Scott what's happening. Although I think, you know, he's so in denial. Like, what do you think you're going to see here? We're going into this mini porn theater. Do you not think that it is going to be stands connected to that? He's so proud. I'm <laughs> yes. just like,
0: look what I made him watch.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, we got to talk about that, that scene uh, in- entirely, right? Like, uh, yeah. I think it was before we went on about the poster, like, <laughs> that that theatrical poster is just wonderful but it's sort of like the for god's sake get out amityville horror <laughs> poster or it's not quite the line that's in the film it's not quite presented is but it's such an impactful uh kind of moment. The, what's
0: on the poster is just that's my
1: daughter it's it's that- oh my god that's my daughter i think that's I what it. S- yeah. i've heard so a different one i've got one that's
2: turn it off turn it off turn it off is that that's what he says in, a, the film. Right oh, right. in
1: the film yeah, yeah. that's, uh, on that's, the yeah, that's what that one yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think the official one is not that, but I could, I could. No, no, wrong. I think, I think you're right, Charlie. That's
2: that's the one in the yeah, film. So. They they yeah. use something else totally on the other post. So that's what you guys were talking. Yeah, because
1: I was It's kind of made up. Do you think I was kind of shocked when he that? just says to resents the scene.
2: No, no. Do you think he resents the fact that that it was promotion?
1: Right. Was like, yeah. I mean, it's such a giveaway. Uh, it's mm-hmm. I I don't know. Like, how do you market this film? Right. Like uh, exactly it's it's really it's
0: an x-rated film you can't market this (laughs) who's gonna watch it
3: (laughs) and in the 70s it's sort of free reign too right like we're trusting the auteurs and this is the guy that wrote taxi driver and blue collar was good so you know the they, they probably just threw some money at him and you know it's hard it's hard to imagine that they the producers were on it on his case on trader's case too much during production maybe when they were cutting it together or something but mm-hmm. they probably weren't running too much interference you know during pre-production and production because this is well, also the- a few years after um porn semi went mainstream right like deep
0: throat like deep throat was it, like 1990s or 1970 what, 70, what six is it yeah uh, deep somewhere.
1: throat 70 yeah early 70s they i mean they thought for a while this is the way cinema is going to go right like you know yeah like, so, so yeah, it was, sorry. It was chic around the no, early. No, that's 70s. That, that's
0: the uh, whistleblower. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So yeah, like you're close, weren't you? You had, you had one of them. <laughs> no, it's is, it is seventy-two anyway. With Linda Lovelace. <laughs> yes.
3: Lovelace. Yes, the <laughs> Italian actress. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, like this. This is just this is that era. So. You know, and this I don't think was a you know bank-breaking type of budget either. So mm-hmm. I, I think he probably was given free reign. So for hi, uh for them to be stories about a lot of interference, maybe he didn't get his final cut, but I I don't really believe he wouldn't have had a lot of leeway to sort of see his film through, like while he was mm-hmm. going through development and pre-production, production, and that. Type of thing.
2: Well, if so, uh, it, uh,
0: go on, Jacob. No, just according to Tarantino's chapter in the book, just, just to quickly put it in perspective. So he wasn't, Tarantino wasn't in in contact with John Milius and Schrader when he was kind of just back in the day when he, so he had the, the opportunity to ask both of them. So Mm -hmm. Milius would say, look, Paul did whatever he w- whatever he wanted he had more or less full control of, o- over everything he wanted to do. apart from these few things as in like he couldn't cast uh, Scarwood, for instance right so okay. these are known sort of battles he had to fight and he, some of some of them he lost but trader w- would say they wouldn't let him do the movie the way he wanted to do as in like he wouldn't he wanted to have the downer ending of the do- the daughter dying um like the sister in a okay. trackdown spoiler for sure
1: but, uh, but, you know, the
0: idea of just not, not having a happy ending because essentially this movie turns into the searches when George C. Scott becomes Debbie in the searches. He says, take me home, you know, yeah. like, oh, what a just, so this is what I'm thinking. I, if this is a battle he lost because Columbia demanded a happy ending out of this maybe but i would be more inclined to say like i agree with jack you with you jack here and say like maybe he bottled it because he was too young to actually handle this material yes because i feel in my in my heart of hearts that this this like the way the the, the more we talk about this the, the more i think Kristen in this movie is paul schrader and then as he goes along, as, as, as he goes along through his career and just revisits the well, he because he can't kick the, uh, um, you know, the the, the, the the taxi driver demon, right? The habit of coming back and, and just like in, indulging in the Travis Bickle and the searchers and whatever. I think he inhabits different characters in different stages of his life. And then so in, in this movie, I think George C. Scott is his father and he's Kristen. He runs away to Hollywood yeah he's like yeah so he's he's running especially that he paul and kale told him to told him to study writing or something like this right so she and probably his dad was not very supportive of this so he essentially runs away
4: yeah
0: Yeah. so i would i would understand that he's so with the original ending of him dying the kid that you thought you had you conservative dad right is dead paul schrader is something else now right so i feel like this would be the movie that he wanted to do but he wasn't made, made wasn't maybe ready to denude himself this much this would have been too personal and now he's now there's just this story that's invented i i don't know like i'm making this up because i'm I, all no, i can't do I is, is just read into the material yeah, right
2: i think you're onto something there i i, I agree like just to, to be bare bones about it, i hate this ending and um we're gonna have another. We're gonna have another <laughs> battle about um, insomnia. You can have here. it now. Yeah, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have another battle that we did on insomnia, where I think this ending is a complete dissonance and a disservice to the, what this film is approaching itself to be. And you I can agreed. you, you no, can I most you. Yeah, you can most undoubtedly tell where this film changes, and it's when he, when his friend from um, Michigan comes and me- meets Peter Boyle in the cafe when he's on a stakeout. You can so tell that sequence there off camera It's him telling the uh, the uh, the guy that the child's dead. I've, 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 I've just done this because I needed the money. We get end of Peter Ball's character being an absolute scumbag. Then we know that it's a mm-hmm. race against time off screen. We don't know this, but at the time, we're chasing for the daughter. We're chasing for the daughter. He, 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 he thinks he's, he's onto something. At the end, you know, he doesn't find anything. It's back to square one, and then he gets the news, and he walks off. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that that plays so beautifully to a point where it's just you don't know what you've got until it's gone, and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking on multiple levels than that but that is a film you can tell what's going to be crafted here. And I, I don't want to, I, mm-hmm. I think we use the word like bottom out and he, and, he, and he bottled it. I just think it's a lack of maturity in a filmmaker. We see this all the time. I think, I think you mm-hmm. know, you, you, you've got to at least make, Tarantino's very lucky that it that perhaps gets it right more than, more than once with the misfires, because we, we've argued about this on Gems before. I, I think that death proof is is terrible. But to say that's one out of 10, that ain't bad. That's, is
4: there a that's, that's,
2: doctor around? <laughs> oh, the, the violin, yeah. But I but I think that's great odds for a filmmaker. I think you've got to at least make to get at least five, six, seven films under your belt to, to, to understand the flow and the maturity of what the story works and not what the ego wants to enforce. And I think here is him really struggling with like we should we should we should we should, we should save her. You know, it's you know, we should save her, that's what should happen. Um, but but I think that that's probably his heart saying that and not his head. Um and I think I think looking back on it, I think it's quite detrimental to the overall experience because we're we're constantly trying to find this character. We're constantly we're we're, we're getting small snippets of what what's happened. We're, we're finding more about George C. Scott through through his and Nikki's collaboration as well. Um, we're, we're sort of finding more humanized him, not necessarily accepting but having to accept his um, th- this 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 underworld as, as a reality. As we find these characters who are doing it because. Um, you know if they don't like as when he goes to the the, the first um part you know this the, the girl says you know i don't i only get paid in tips the the pimp the guy takes all this you know we see the harsh reality of these people he 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 makes it more so a reality than it it's just what's on a screen or what's what can't be touched um whereas these people can the the, the flesh so i do i do find it sort of a detriment to to these characters but it's a total dissonance to what this film's Energy, its a- atmosphere, its tension is, and to find that sequence, and in itself, the actual reconciliation, it's it's going to get a, a, a mention later on when we do bottom and top tops. There's so much like sexual puns here, like yeah, you could, you could just imagine like you know top of his head and stuff like that. But um, I think it's a great it sequence. Serious, yeah, it's. I think it's a great <laughs> sequence. I think it's because I because I, I, I'd like to, to speak to Tony about this later because <laughs> I I'm I'm not too sure about Scott yet. I've only seen multiple a few films, but just to get on to that later. But that's the one sequence I was like, "Wow!" Like it's like the onion we're peeling away, and we're peeling away. We, we're getting it. But I think for, to not have that sequence and have him just walk away as, as a man who shows no sequence is so much more powerful and speaks so much more that he just hasn't he hasn't changed. He hasn't. I mean, again, you can talk about your your ideology, Jacob, about him being he's 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 um, suppressing it all, and I think him walking away speaks so much more volumes that we could have the argument. Like he's even
0: If she had died, he would have had to learn the lesson. Le- yes, exactly. Lesson, no?
2: But he would have walked away and if, if he would have been stoic and walked away into the into the into the night, you know, it's chi- it's, it's Chinatown Jake. that's that No, because
0: he would have then taken Nikki under his wing and saved her instead. You
2: see that's what I I would prefer that to have happened. And I think I think if he walks away from just both of them and just walks away in the night, like we have that our our Dune uh, ending or our original Luke Skywalker ending. I think it's an easy way to get rid of it because you, you're like, we'll just let it, let it go. But I think it speaks volumes because that man is going to, well, just that, like, let's just say that, that's up for t- interpretation. He might just walk away t- just to get away from it. But I think that speaks so much volumes of the, that character now is going to have to process. And there's a whole heap of shit he's going to have to process before the film, during the film, and then fucking sure his shit after it. Um but again, I don't think that's the experience of the, what the film itself is. I think it is—it's mm-hmm. him trying to be his father, like you said before, and and find Paul and make and know that Paul's loved and that Paul Paul when he comes back things will change. But we he all did know it for it, twenty bucks, Paul. Yeah, but know, we all he, know he, sure as shit that when she goes back.
0: to the <laughs> house, <laughs> you imagine, This is George even, C. Scott watching in this self eight millimeter loop. This is George C. Scott's dad watching Taxi Driver. Well, and shouting, turn it off. But
2: uh, I, I do, I do think though no, as well. I could I think, like we we all know, sure as shit, when she goes back to that house <coughs> in, in Michigan, it is is not going to be the same. It's not going to be more of a, a, a free willed nature. She'll be ruled by an iron iron thing. And it's again that ending, which should have been echoed, like it was in Taxi Drivers, that this man was a hero this time, but he's not very stable at all. And I think her going back there on the surface is like such a oh, it's great. But when you sort of think about it, it's, it's just going to go back again. And I think a very similar ending is Scott Cooper's Hostiles. I don't know if anyone's seen this, but Christian Bale's character gets on a train at the end and he's leaving for a better world. He's, he's, he's been in the midst of hor- horrors. He's uh, he's done atrocities mm-hmm. with, with the Native Native Americans or Native Indians. And at the end, I find it so fucking so chilling. He gets back off the train and goes goes to live with his family. And I think that might look on the surface like such a like willing, willing loving um, atmosphere but you know that man is psychologically damaged he's scarred he cannot live that life and he's going to make that, that family life a living nightmare and it's that echo of chills that runs through it if that was the idea that he was trying to do I still think he misfires I just don't like it whatsoever I think it's and I do I think he did bottle it with, with an idea of not jamming maturity but I just don't think it works as lo- as good as that original ending of like he can't even say goodbye to it. it's done he wasn't even there how he, I mean, he's been mm-hmm. grieving this process through this means of trying to find someone who's not there, destroying <laughs> lives, destroying his own life in, 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 in the way that, that's... Uh, again, the ramifications of that, tonally, thematically, I think are far stronger than the, what we originally got anywhere.
1: I think that would have been a lot better if like, he hadn't had a conversation with her or just you know learned of her death or something, if that's the way it played out. It's twenty two Jake, you talk about the, the friend... Who's played by Dick Sargent, which is not a porn alias. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the real guy's <laughs> great name. name by the way. Uh, yeah, Dick Sargent, who was the very distracting to me the first time I saw it because he was such a well known face from television of light mm-hmm. comedy mostly. I think he was on We Bewitched or like I'm it's not bewitched. sure. Like, yeah. It's Bewitched that he's most known for, right? So I think that did come up in one of the Schrader commentaries that there was a little bit of a you know, going with the acting, or Schrader wasn't as familiar with all this stuff, but He's kind of one of those standout faces that's a little bit dist- – I think he does a pretty good job with what he's given here. But that ending just feels so imported uh, at times too. And the whole rattan and the murder of him, like where is this coming from? Like, it, it, There's a lot of stuff there that this time it, it, it really uh, takes me back. And I didn't – I wasn't so aware of that alternate ending. I think that would have been uh, do, quite do you strong. Think- do you think
2: to, do you think it's also shot differently? I know you said it's like it feels tacked on, and I completely agree. Do you think it feels like it's shot differently as well? Because that's what I felt. The slow motion, the score was like, what we this is yeah. a very different film. It, it, I really, I noticed this too, right? Well, Sorry. great minds think alike, don't they?
1: Yeah, when, the I was just <laughs> comparing it to the taxi driver ending too, like, and that has to come up too. Like that, I think that was a really mm-hmm. good observation about you know where Bickle goes after this. And it, it, there's quite similar stories in there, but it's it's better told in a way in Taxi Driver. And I don't, uh, I know you guys get to the, the likes and things at the end and, and the dislikes, but a part of the season, Hubley character too, just feels like, I'd almost like it if she was just something in his mind, you know, something that's not really there in some of those conversations. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him mostly with Boyle through this, you know, just. Wow, like, okay having to get having to go solo and then in desperation maybe come back to Boyle i know you mm-hmm. you'd, lo- you'd lose a lot of the subtext and context is there but i'd be, i'd be kind of I, that, I don't i don't know
2: Tony i think that's a good idea cuz because he would have to witness that um that the, the theater of pornography on his own right? without yeah. someone I mean, if holding he had, his hand. as well as i mean if as, you can so, you
1: imagine him almost I don't like want an... anyone
0: holding my hand in a porno theater, sure. by yeah. the
1: way
0: <laughs> They
1: might,
2: they won't be holding your hand, sweetheart. That's, that's all I'll say.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talked about was it De maybe doing, oh, possibly doing this film? Like I'm just picturing something like uh, John Travolta and Blowout. You know, where if, if he was like finding little stills and mysterious photos of his daughter, like, and really piecing it together more as the PI himself or with Boyle. That that's kind of an interesting, It's another.
2: Yeah, it's another it, story altogether. He would have to make amends, or and have to um, mm. to go back to the source of someone who is in that circle who just wants his money. He'd have to sort of deal with his conscience of giving more money over to that person to ultimately tell him something that he doesn't want to know, and, and I have to make amends with uh, with um, with sleaze in itself. I yeah. think that would have worked quite well. But I, I, and I think if go on, yeah. go on, go on, Tony.
1: Well, I mean, recently there's been a. Like a mini series or a limited series of American Gigolo, another yeah, well Schrader film, yeah. film. Right, yeah. yeah. Which I'm re- I'm <laughs> about halfway through it, really enjoying. And I'm thinking, you know, you could do that with this. I guess HB already had the deuce, which kind of deals with some of this stuff. But can you imagine something like a ten parter version of hardcore Watching where you're ten, really yeah, getting yeah, into in. wow. looking for his daughter in <laughs> <Right? the corner laughs> world? Like that's how it would play so differently now. You could just no, see the angles that we get. You'd have
0: to set it. There would have to be a period piece because no like this, right. is, this would be yeah, instead of George C. True. Scott, you'd have, I don't know, Tom Hanks, just no, no, getting an getting an account <laughs> on OnlyFans and going one by one, <laughs> one by
1: one, just looking. Right now, at, they'd end up getting Liam Neeson, and then we would get taken, right? Yes, he <laughs> would, would get uh, taken for So it's problematic. It's
0: just. Just gets on Pornhub and just scroll down. Just
2: well, I'm sure that you, you just. just have to watch the next five years of the BBC making the, perhaps <laughs> or the Channel Four making a, a documentary or, or, or a TV series about certain BBC presenters. It's a bit, a bit rife, but the, the hmm. one because Randy, I don't know if you spoke about the ending or not. So I I, I, I just wanted just to talk about close uh, to libel, Jesus. Yeah, no, yeah, I, well, I, yeah. I,
3: I'm. I'm enjoying listening to you guys talk about the endings, but there's another piece in here, just going to the George Scott (laughs) uh, character that we haven't really talked about because this is a guy who's, he's like a a single parent and and his wife is gone. And this to me was sort of an interesting piece. And I think the script Mm -hmm. holds... You know, cards pretty closely to the chest on, on where's where's his wife? Because at one point, I think he says that, "Oh, she's dead." And uh, you know, he could just no, be was, well.
0: He meant he was. De- she's dead to me. Exactly, <laughs> and
3: and maybe too, because I think he was talking to. It was like Arnie then. Maybe, maybe he was talking Sorry. to Peter Boyle. So, you know, he could just very well be saying, "Oh, well, I'm I i do not want to talk about it." So it's just easier to say she's dead. But at the same time, you know, there's a loss there, and there's a story there, and I think that this oh. this ties in thematically very much to what we're saying is that. The mom got out so the daughter doesn't have that support you know at, at home right because got, the mom's gone out. if you're gone you're well fucking stay gone because look, you're not back into our household again
0: no it's not household it's the community yes think about yeah. like how mormons for instance treat yeah, people to who, a point, who would yeah. say um apostatize from the religion yeah. like the church, you're, you're literally dead to them yes yeah, right? no scientologists mm-hmm. will go after you but like mormons will just pretend you don't exist i'm just i'm just kind of
2: identifying scientology's religion here i think we're making really good good strands here no
0: i just i i wouldn't but then
2: <laughs> no i'm joking
0: it's it's a ponzi scheme scheme with extra steps Yeah. <laughs> but you know you'd love to see it yeah. <laughs> just, inverted but then, then, pyramid no, but just like i think this is this may be actually <laughs> more autobiographical in this in this way that the mom is dead to the dad because she not only got out she got out of this community where she felt repressed Right? Yeah, you, so, you can you
2: can he, feel like it would be a reply of cancer or something else like um like it's, like
0: no, it, she mentions it at the end. Kristen, she says it to him it's like like when she mentions something to happen that happened to dad. She she also left, you know, she ran away too. She says to him, mm. right? Mm. No, that's what I mean. Like I yeah. think it could easily
2: be just that's what I meant. Like it could easily been like what Randy said, like just a throwaway c- a comment about cancer, and it's like okay, that's gone. But like it, there's like um. Uh, it, it sort of stays with you and then it gets referenced towards the ending again, which again, I think mm-hmm. it feels like a, an afterthought. I, so all of that there is, for me, is conjecture because I, I just like, Ugh, you know, but then know, again- For it,
0: me, this is rooted in something autobiographical. I, this is like the Calvinist sort mm-hmm. of, like maybe this, I don't know, I don't, I don't know anything about this religion, but it's, it smells of this sort of, the very conservative re- religiosity kind of creeping into there. Like someone could be dead to you Figuratively and literally as, at the same time, yeah, because yeah, of course, yeah. this person betrays yeah. your beliefs, right? It,
3: yeah. it feels very specific, and, and just just the way the it was just the little drops about about the mom, the wife. Um, it just to me this is sort of a, a glimpse at how strong a writer, Schrader is. You know that this is this is a piece that sort of builds both of these characters, that the, the daughter and Georgie e. Scott. So anyway, it just sort but of he gets to
0: win in the end. So it doesn't. So he's such a strong writer who just. Sh- it's the yeah,
3: moment. but this is a, the, that's what's in question, right? <laughs> how does this, How do we get to the end?
0: Because like, <laughs> one thing I wanted to kind of just quickly prod as well, and just because I have a big question to kind of pose at, at the end of, of this sort of exploration anyway, but then just one thing now that you're talking about the dad as well, I, he has this scene as well with, um I think his assistant who's choosing Colors for the logo, and just like she chooses, like I don't know, royal blue or something like this. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, she there's a name for this blue that she chooses. and He goes like, "This is too overpowering" or something. It's just, so it's just like he's so repressed that he can't even can he can't isn't even it, stand. It, um, a, a, is it bullwinkle a, blue or something like that? So maybe, <laughs> but then, I, didn't, this, I didn't catch it. But <laughs> the
1: color works. The color works well in contrast to where he's standing in front of the billboard with the hustler, the hot pink. Forget Barbie. That was like the real pink right there. The Hustler oh, yeah. logo. Oh,
0: it's a pink in Hustler.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> this brings me back to like I kind of like years ago. Someone in in like for for birthday in, in in my old work, um, got an adult coloring book, and I didn't know what an adult coloring book was. So I was just like, "Is this an adult coloring book?" Because like if so, like I need to buy this buy this person a, a set of pink crayons. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it wasn't that kind of coloring book. I was That's disappointed. <laughs> just before you uh, but, you, yeah.
2: you talk about your big question, Erica, there's one thing I wanted to. say, I think I might be in disagreement with a few people here, but I just want to talk about. Um, so what's her name? Season uh, Season Hubler, right? I really mm-hmm. enjoyed her performance, but I think I more so enjoyed the character for what it represented. I thought she was fabulous in this. I think how she dealt with tone was really well. Like she, she could at one moment, when when, she, when he when he meets her in the booth and she puts her legs up, which I'm going to make it it's going to come back a bit later on top, top three, bottom three. But I thought she was perfect how she sort of, again, th- the film does then at that point, it becomes like this more injection of comedy or like a comedy base undertone there, which is like, oh, this is this is strange for a man who's literally dying on the inside. And his daughter is <laughs> actually dying as well. Um
0: but I thought she was she was he's great. She's afraid of the female form, okay? She's okay. essentially just displaying herself no, in but front I thought, of him, I, knowing but I thought full was, well he's uncomfortable. <laughs> but, that she's <laughs> doing his on, this on purpose.
2: Yeah, but I, again I but I thought she was brilliant at achieving those sequences. How she how she, she discusses essentially life with him about, you know, um, how, <clears throat> how she thinks he's fucked up about things. Um uh, they talk about tulips mm-hmm. don't they and, and and the stuff and how she speaks about like i i can never leave this i can't be like an accountant or something like that um she she just add a lot more um really good tone to the the whole conversation which shreide touches on about pornography and c- cinema <clears throat> they are means of the same thing which is which is a which is a
3: visual um uh, well, visceral she pleasure she turns it into a a buddy film, a buddy comedy. It's she, a she ones did. a film. She does, but, <coughs> but I, she's
0: a conduit for him, right? Like yeah, she's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she does. Because but I th- but he, I like you see, see him, like wanna... or... but, Well, there is. I think yeah. there is. There is a conversation to be had because in the beginning, you think to yourself, okay, there is this guy who walks into this this world and he has no idea where to go. Like he goes into a sex shop and he has no idea how to exist in a sex yeah. shop, which is just fantastic to witness. But then, like, I'm just wondering, like how how does he put how does portray how does portray Schrader's how does Schrader portray um, the sort of the like how how he drops George C. Scott's character, the Van Dorn's character into this world. How? What do you guys think about the the idea of actually Schrader showing you the the I don't want to call it the underworld because it's pre outside. Well, you know, like it's on billboards, and, you know, like Slave of Love or whatever, right? So how does he how does he go about showing you the the porno world of the seventies.
2: Well, he, he he shows it with the reality that it is. He shows it as a profession. He shows it as, as or sometimes often as a choice, and sometimes often as, as a, a forced necessity for, uh, for for money. Does he know?
0: Like, he thinks his, he, he he thinks that I don't know. I I think he sees, he sees it. It's kidnapped his daughter. This world.
2: No, I think I think he, George C. Scott sees that, but I think how Schrader characterizes it, especially within that second half, where he sort of becomes, he might become, he could argue desensitised to it, but ultimately he has a a great, not necessarily a great deal of respect for it, but he comes to sort of understand what it is, understand the weight of it, that that Nikki's doing it, because we don't know how she's got into it, we know she's into it, um, and that's the way of life, and I think that's, again, it reiterates why he doesn't want his daughter to get caught in there, but how, how, again, the, 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 it will, it's going to get a mention in the bottom three, top three, but the, the, when, when it becomes like the, the porno agent, which is just fucking ridiculous. But the, <laughs> what what ruins that sequence even more so for me is the tone. The wig. You, well, the that, wig that, that, I mean, <laughs> what's worse than the moustache and the wig? And the wig is terrible. And the tie-dye t-shirt is one thing. Um, but how these <laughs> how these people come in, and we, we, we don't attribute them as humans. We don't attribute them as flesh because we see them on screen and they're, they're characters. They're just... They're in there for fifteen minutes and that's it. They're not human beings. But how how Schrader does that is that we've got a character who seems to want to care so much about humans and his daughter, couldn't give a flying fuck about who, who goes to that door aside from that person who he eventually sees at the end. Where the first guy was like so interesting because because he, he's like quite buff, he's Do quite you tall. See my jump? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That, that that's towards the end. <laughs> but I mean, the first guy, who was like. But he's like very calm. He's very stoic. He's very polite how he says his wife, thank you very much. And he leaves. Then we get the guy who comes in again after the black guy. And he's like, You're not going gonna- to. Oh, Hal Williams. Yeah. He goes, You're not going to talk to me. Uh, I guess because I'm black. Like we hear genuine emotive reality there. From people who, I mean, who,
0: he's not wrong because he knows no, I, from the he can't tell. It's like, oh, I'm looking for someone I've already seen, but then so the answer is yes. I'm not looking for you because you're black. because no, you, the guy you, I'm looking for is not black. No, no, no. Right? But, that, but, that's <laughs> but not, he takes it as a racist remark, even though he's called big but that, Dick that's, black. That's, which, that's literal, for me, this is a perfect name for a for a porn star. So he's a promising. I don't know something yeah, but that, about
2: that, that's, him. That's the literal view of it. I'm talking about the, the subtext. <coughs> like he's humanizing yeah, these yeah, people, and I think that the, the back end of the film is constantly trying to do that. He's constantly trying to find a way to, to, to show George C. Scott's character that these are human beings. And again...
0: No, he's not. It, it, is, not, it, not is, it is,
2: it is, it is. Because when we get to the end... When, when the panel? The, the original, no, the Please, original ending. Defend me. No, the, ri- the original <laughs> ending, when, when he texts Nikki on and he, and he, and he takes her back home, you could look at it as a fact of, like, he wouldn't do that. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty at all in this industry whatsoever. But he has to. It's a necessity. But he chooses to do that because his daughter's died, and he wants to try and to save someone else. I think that works more because he sort of understood that Nikki's a human being; she has. Yeah, a, but that's she, not the movie we got. No. Exactly, that's not exactly. the film we watched. But exactly, that's what—that's just my point, though. Like the second half tries to do that, but it can't succeed because it doesn't have that ending. And where where we get it, he just leaves her. It's like, well, we've humanized these people, and we just for, sort of fucked them off. Again, to me, it's a complete dissonance of what the film should should be and arguably is throughout those at least 95%. But I just think it's a it's a man who wants to look at what is allegedly deemed cedar, unsanitary, disgusting aspect of society and humanise it, which he does with everything throughout his career. And that's how he does it through the lens of his father, through George C. Score. How he ends that is a different story in, in entirely. But that's the idea I get from this. That's the whole ideology of the film to me.
3: Yeah, what I'd add to that, I would say there's a big piece here where he's contrasting the way he Schrader he's contrasting the way he grew up so this Calvinist religion um, and this is this is the society America thinks that it is um, but you know what no we've got we, we've got porn theaters on every block in big cities and this type of stuff is happening so I think this here thematic framework is there as well and um, you know insofar as that we get further into the this, this underworld, which is sort of on Main Street, um, and some of these characters get get humanized. I think this is this is still goes back to con- contrasting, you know, the playing of pre- the precious memories him in the very opening moment, and these these shots of the America of who we think we are. We just we go sledding down hills. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> we're you know there's this whole other side to America. So that that to me is. Um, a, bi- a big part of how Schrader is trying to, you know, represent this is that on on the one hand, there's a hypocr- uh yeah, hypocritical, um, you know, religious right, and then you know, there's there's also this real world that exists in in big cities.
0: It looks like there's a chasm between like sledding down hills and doing anal on eight, eight millimeter films.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it, but you could argue, like you say, you say, Randa, it's it's all about commune. We, we, we look at one commune, which is in Michigan, which is a religious um, ideology where we, we protect one mm-hmm. another, but we use it through the means of with, with a, a Lord, or Jesus Christ or God, whatever they're believing. But then we look at the other commune where these people are often young women or young people trying to make a book, having to pay further up the ladder um, and, and they're desperate for, the, for validation or what the impression of the film the beginning implies. It's interesting. Again, you talk about contrast. but I just wanted to to, talk to Tony because I I, I I've I don't know if I like George C. Scott. I don't. I'm not talking about the the person. I'm talking about the actor. I've seen him in Doctor Strangelove. I've seen him in this. I have got Pattern. I've never seen it, so I'm probably on the same wavelength as. I haven't seen a lot of his work, but I always get this idea that he projects just anger, and there's very there's there's a lot less layers <laughs> to I'm him. Not, you're yeah. not wrong. There's not yeah. there's, there's not there's not enough layers. For someone there to to be to be a really interesting um, actor, I I do I do like him because there's another film that he made in I think in seventy one. I wanted to to uh, is it let them run or something? Um, where he plays like Did a they get- have the Dolphin? No, 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 not that <laughs> shit. He plays like a getaway driver a somewhere. But there's a few films <laughs> I want to pick up. But for me, in here, yeah. I was like, oh, this is this isn't that ending as well. I was like, oh, this is this isn't this is an actor here. But to me, I just I don't see anything that can like further me on. I I just wondered why he, why you consider him to be such like an interesting actor, be personal. Life. Yeah,
1: well, it's funny now that you say it because uh, Twelve Angry Men is another. Oh movie. yes, yes, yeah. Um, and in Twelve 3? Angry Men, by the way, is this? Yeah, uh, is he? <laughs> well, he's, the the ang- he's one, one of him? the angry guys. <laughs> yeah, no, he's one the, of yeah. the angry men. <laughs> nice. One of the twelve. Oh. Yeah.
0: No, but just which one is he? Is, the, is he the one? Because I can't remember. It's been years. Is he's he the, the, the last one to to be convinced?
3: He's in the isn't it Friedkin that did the, yeah, he's the seen HBO, William Friedkin, twelve angry men. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, so it's not in the Lumet version, no? No, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh. That's, yeah, it's the other one. Oh. Right. Yeah,
3: yeah. But he's yeah, he's in a, a bunch of like um and he has various distressed dad roles as well, like Rage, which he directed and the Changeling. So they're variations thing, of yeah. what you get here. Have you uh, ever seen Ch- the one yeah, Changeling
1: he- is similar time period is this and again he's sort of (laughs) the way he tries to deal with that with the ghost and the entity right is almost similar here of him keeping a distance between him and that kind of world but uh to answer jake's question it's a hard one now (laughs) because uh uh, when i think back like exorcist three i I think i just like that campy over the top there's something about his stature there's just something something compelling about him i i think in, in general but yeah Man, he's no Jack Lemon now, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, but uh, but he's yeah. There's just something about him. I I think one of the reasons uh, Exorcist three. I don't know if you've seen that film, but yeah, yeah, really he really makes it, yeah. it to me. I just, yeah. There's just something about there's just something about him. I do like the changeling. I do like I do like him in this to a degree. Although this this most recent viewing, I'm just. I'm kinda of seeing the camp. I'm seeing the Razzie nomination that he didn't get, but he did get what is it, the stinker bed before the Razzies he he's up for one of those. So uh I, I can see it. I, I kind of like that the theatrics of it and I but I agree, he's he's an angry guy. Like that's how he he's, comes across he's, he in ha- most ha- of the stuff ha- I've seen.
2: Yeah, how you've described him there, I would agree like to look at him. He's he's a very interesting character. He has like he has mm. a very strange type of face. He's built very different. He looks essentially like a quintessential blue-collar American. But for me, it's all external for, for, for on a personal note. I find him fascinating mm. to look at. I could look, honestly I, mm-hmm. like to, to see him on screen, especially in pattern, he's like he just like commands everything in this when he's yeah. watching the, the the pornography live. When it when he when he, he first uh, meets Nikki on the pornography shoot, where he's like, "I'm the producer." You look at him like like he just commands the screen. But for me, I, I feel like there's there's something blocking that there, and I think I that, don't that, think he
0: commands the screen here. Yeah,
2: I think he does. I think he's I think he's fascinating He he
0: feels like he's just like you know, Jake. Can you just go home? Like Jesus, like you
1: know. no, I I won't disagree Take with that. Job. You know, some of you were talking about that phone call scene, which is, I guess kind of controversial here now because I don't see emotion. I, I actually, knowing more of the backstories of it now from those commentaries and from the experience that they had, I can see it as like Scott walking in a lot of times, like, hey, let's just get this fucking thing. <laughs> like, like, yes. Let, I mean Yes. Just as yeah. it hap- happened. You know, never direct just, again. Yeah. I'll never act again. Let's agree on that. Yeah. When
0: he takes the pause, <laughs> it's not because he has to compose himself. He's just <laughs> feeling like the whiskey's coming up and just. just, <laughs> well, has yeah, to, just I mean, just, to sit
1: there. we kind of stop right on the scene. You know, the, the daughter scene, which is so over the top. It's fun to watch. It's a descent, but it's this descent into madness. Like it's just, you know, like off. the cameras. Yeah, camera holding on him. It's a cool shot. It's a it's a memorable moment. But I can't I can't say anything that it's like so over the top mm-hmm. in a fun
0: way. I mean, he. Do you know he? Oh, I just feel like look at him. He's this sort of quintessential boomer dad who has a shitty job at the office. He does. He he got overlooked for promotion seven times, and every time he comes back home, he has to uh, just take a take two swigs of of the old whiskey just to take the edge <laughs> off otherwise he's going to murder someone Get the because bean, yeah. His, because his well, own dad didn't yeah. speak to him so he doesn't know how to communicate his emotions <laughs> so he's just bottling it up uh, himself yeah. and he just doesn't speak to his daughter so it's just like it makes perfect sense to me that he she would run away because he doesn't know how to deal with the, with people just expressing emotions so he's just this sort of blue-bold volcano of just yeah. Repressed sexuality that's just like that's why right. I want to come back shop and he sees a dildo and he just he, he, he right it just like joke, messes yeah. with his algorithm.
1: <laughs> I think his best acting in the film is actually again going back to him and Peter Boyle the stuff between the two of them where it's like where he says to Boyle, It's like you're enjoying this, aren't you? You're showing me that, you know, like when he like, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of his most subtle stuff. That's really fun stuff. Those conversations where he's when like, he Do I want to hire ice? this guy? To, right, throws that. Well, oh, that's a great, that's a great fit. Like, this is my place, okay. I mean, it's it's so, mean, so good. Fine. It's, I it's, mean, just, that stuff. Joking. Jokes there's, on me for not locking my yeah. own
0: door. <laughs>
1: right. I mean, That's you can't the, deny the there's there's fun in that. Like, Scott appears to be having fun. I love those bits. Like, it, it's 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 a balance, I, I think, with some of the actors when he goes over the top. It doesn't work as well now. I do think his uh, porno get-ups are awesome. I mean, those are, <laughs> <laughs> to me... <laughs> <laughs> to me, the undercover George C. Scott—that's that's maybe not in my top three things, but it's a little sidebar there. Because mm-hmm. and there's a shirt that he has that I really want—the
0: tie dye the- shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's classic. Yeah, that is mean, awesome. This is again like this is a boomer dad imagining what, what he should yeah. look like to look the part, right? So he just yeah, cool. he looks just, like just Ron Jeremy from Wish.
2: <laughs> just just very very quickly, could like you you said about like he, about about the, their relationship. Do you think he changes when he takes her home then?
0: No, I think this is exactly <laughs> why I think this movie is of two halves. Because in the first half, he's on a journey to change because he has he's confronted with this world where he thinks, you know, um, that, that even the sex shop owner doesn't want his fifty cents because he thinks that he's being patronized. He thinks that this guy thinks he oh, you're just you people are beneath me. You know, he walks in there in his suit and tie, and then at the end, he gets to take her home. And I don't think he learns a lesson. Yeah, he, w- he, he wins. He like, but he I just I won yeah. because this, you know, like, in his in his mind, I just got my like. He's the hero. He he's rescued Debbie from the Comanches, yeah. right? Yeah, he so, he wins,
2: but he's got nothing. Like it, there's nothing to show like the race he ran. Yeah, I get. I, I, I that's what I think as well. I agree with you. I, I don't think
0: he. I don't think. I don't. I don't think he learns a lesson. He essentially just he's on a journey, and then all of a sudden, like. And then everyone, and then everybody else died, and he and, and he and everyone lived happily ever after. It's just no, and I don't, I, I would honestly expect that the coda to this film will be Grand Rapids, Michigan, one year, year later, same Christmas. And they just don't, and just pretend this never happened because it doesn't fit the narrative of a happy Calvinist family. So they so they're, they just sing these carols. And then, if Schrader had any balls, he would just intersperse these sort of like Fight Club style, just single frame of just hardcore pornography this 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 girl did when she was in in San Fernando or wherever. So that you know you'd see these flashbacks, like in Rolling Thunder, where it's just these these moments, these, just, these sort of jigs. He,
1: of, well, he does bring back the hymns, right, for the closing credits, and that, he does. <laughs> you yeah. can sort of get that. You, you get the idea
0: better. that a religion won. Thanks everyone. You know, yeah, can I, one, You can just imagine like, zero.
2: <laughs> you can just imagine like one year later at Christmas dinner and then like sharing, like just sitting at the table, just not talking to each other, and it'd be just like, and it just pans away. It'd be, like, it'd be brutal to do one. it, but again, there's there's a very little nuance there. But that would be uh, that would have
1: been amazing time. too, right? Like imagine Kristen just silently at the dinner table again as a closing. I mean, it, it, maybe He's it's contemplating blowing her brains yeah. out. Yeah. Right. I'll, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. But I, th- I think, I think a more mature um, uh, Schrader would probably do that as well and achieve it perfectly. I think I, it's just a, it is just a shame because it just that that second half, while it does have elements I do like, especially with uh, the with, with Nikki's character, it is just like a shit show of like what what like imagine yeah. like going for a abyss, <laughs> watching this and coming back and be like. What? what like what's happening now like it well, just it, 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 it does that it, that, that train fucking derails off planet earth it, doesn't it really
0: oh uh, obviously we haven't seen master gardener but master gardener is the sort of the mature version of this well i'm gonna look I forward feel- to that tomorrow mm-hmm. then um yeah. although I, I do feel like at, at this time like having seen eight installations of ta- just schrader <laughs> just trying to you know get taxi driver right again I just feel especially that one year after the card counter, to which I feel like this is just like, let me do this again, like yes. immediately thereafter. I think this is a mistake. Like you should have waited a decade. Oh no, you're gonna be 97. So I suppose like he's in a rush because he's gonna be dying soon or something, right? Oh, so fair enough. enough. But but to me this was kind of just like okay. But Master Gardener is this, is the film you probably wanna wanna see now as yeah. the sort of as the sort of the grown up version of this. But then I would say like based on the fact that you know, like we're looking at this, this man essentially winning, George C. Scott's character, Jake Van Dorn, winning because he gets his daughter back and he leaves this woman who helped him find her.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think yeah. it just leaves her just completely to the side. Like for, you forget she exists, almost, right? It is it haunted. Credits, yeah, credits... yeah I, think, I think this is just a mistake. And then I, I I just feel like as a result of this, what starts as this sort of exploration of, look, conservative America, this, this world isn't... You know, this is just... Because I think that the um, the audition scene is something instru- some, something instrumental because he just shows these people as actors like they have like they sh- I think there's a there's a brilliant scene and that's gonna make an appearance where Jizim Jin shows up so the guy who's on the on the tape right and then he sees him and he just turns up a little bit because like oh shit this, something's gonna happen and something happens but but then what what's important to me is that he's, he's like I've seen your work in Slave of Love and the guy perks up. Like, you've yeah, seen my work, I've done some, not, yeah. not, I haven't done any feature stuff, only short, but you know, like I'm open to many things, like, it's just like, he, like he's an actor looking for work, he's not an, a villain, and also, he also then, from him, he learns just like, oh, she was crazy, yeah, just like, I, 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 what was it, she, like my prick was sore for for a week or right. something, like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, but to me like this this movie starts as something a little bit more progressive and enlightened and then turns into demonisa- demonization of this world Agreed. to the point that he's also just in, weaves in the snuff films in here which apparently don't exist and it's, is it, don't is, is know, that, just, is that scene conservative opening, america wins for is me is that in, scene in opening
2: here. to interpretation if that's a reality though is that is he we're just watching an excess of another form of cinema or are we actually watching stuff there that, I, I was no, like, you
0: don't have to. You don't have to know any know it anyway. It's just like you. you you're already now in a conservative Republican headspace now, because you're just de- you've just demonized this world, agree, and then yeah. to a point that Peter Boyle can just gun a guy down in the street and nothing happens. Yeah, it's a, like,
2: I mean, well, a president said that not so long ago. It can happen, can it? You know, that's that's a modern day America.
1: I think with uh, some of the comments I've heard too from. Uh, Chapman and Schrader, like they, they used so many real locations, and they got sort of into the world that the crew kind of resented it after a while. Like they, they didn't enjoy did being too, around this. But yeah, Scott yeah. Uh, Chapman is very vocal on there. You know, he he was so uncomfortable with like he keeps in that little section. If you watch the indicator, he talks about the smell, the horrible smell of this industry. You know, so so there was a lot of that I think going on with the crew and i think he i think they even indicate that some crew members uh wanted to go away because they just couldn't handle another uh, uh you know day hanging out around the the cd novelty shops in la and stuff like that so that's so there, the there might have been cinema. those channels challenges too I
0: <laughs> it's just the magic of cinema for me because you know like you can't smell porn <laughs>
1: Well, I think he's talking about actual secretions. I don't know if he if he they were on the set or if it was part of the homework for it, but you get, if you watch that little short feature he he definitely turns his nose up its he smelled something somewhere uh-huh. that guy did.
0: but apparently this is according to tarantino's sort of comments on this like apparently the Initially, the like the porno industry embraced this idea of like, yeah, here's this sort of highbrow filmmaker who's now top of the, the top dog in Hollywood, just going in and showing this our industry for what it is, and he bottles it uh, essentially and just turns it into this. What I think is essentially just an example of moral panic. Like he essentially just shows the porno industry the way John Ford shows the commentaries. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of just like look at these evil bastards they just kill people on screen once they fuck them. Like this is stupid. Yeah, <laughs> he, is, he panders to an audience that he doesn't
2: necessarily know who's who's gonna watch as well. He panders to the people who he knows are gonna neglect or, or, or he's too young he, to yeah, do
0: it. That's yes, it
2: is. Yeah, to, he's, he's, yeah, Well I agreed, but I, he also he panders to an audience that A he doesn't know or even there at the time, but he goes for the easy out, which is this is this is considered society, socially evil. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make my mark on that, and that's where I'll, I'll base my ground with. And to be fair, I don't think the film I, 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 with I, what's happening in the modern culture with the, with the normalization, sexualization of of stuff like that, like on OnlyFans, which you you made a joke of earlier. I think um, <laughs> the per, the perception's always going to change on that because you know, prostitution, which is legal, we talk about again. The Girlfriend Experience does a great job of not uh, not venom uh, villainizing that profession at all. Uh, and I think it'll look more kindly on it. And here, I think he probably he, he, he catered to an audience that's never going to go watch this in a, the, the first thing. And it goes back to your point of him not being old enough, wise enough, and mature enough behind the camera. Definitely behind behind pen on paper he is, but behind the camera it's like, yeah, it probably should have been done in, maybe in the 80s, but then you'd have to set it with through video. It's like, mm-hmm. uh. So it had to be made then, which is a horrible th- th- thing for a filmmaker. Not this having movie
0: should be actually just sold not on a Blu-ray but on an eight mm strip.
1: <laughs> well, this gets back to Michael Chapman and his aesthetic argument, right? <laughs> Where mm-hmm. I mean, either way you do it, is he presenting like a descent, in, a visual descent into hell, is which it seems to be. Sometimes you know the way the sets are, the staircases, the redness, the colors, but but his argument was. This should be grungy, like an eight millimeter, like a sixteen millimeter film. If you're going to show that side of it, so I definitely think there was no, there was no indication that they wanted to do anything but demonize it, as you say, or, or present it as like the evil that she's getting away mm-hmm. from, which, which is a, con- which is a con- conflict within Schrader's whole thing, like his, and same with Scorsese, that, that sort of struggle between how much do we buy into our religion? How much do we present it? Show it. I mean, last -hmm. temptation of Christ taxi driver. Uh, That's a, that's a constant conflict, right? How it's presented and and how, and who do they attach themselves more to? I think that was a really good point earlier where Schrader's a little bit of all of these characters, but there's Mm -hmm. an uncertainty. And I really feel like it's just, he's an outsider to this. He's drawn to some of it. He's afraid of a lot of it. So I, I think watching the film now at that point in his career schrader was probably closer to the george c scott character
0: really
2: yeah that's interesting
0: i I personally think is he's more close to Kristen, like autobiographically but i see i see i see the sort of the perspective anyway and and then the more i think about just his his filmography as a whole the more i think about it like his taxi driver type films are kind of the idea so maybe he's just experiencing sub subliminally the moral panic of his time and he just like channels it into his Travis bickles you know like he's like he's okay well maybe he was afraid of black people in in 1970s early so so he wrote taxi driver and just just dealt with his fear and then he got over it and he was afraid of pornos and then yeah i mean the, the interesting climate change i suppose and yeah
2: i mean the interesting <laughs> or he had
0: something something uh, some, some in, inner guilt about his participation and maybe he voted republican for for maybe he voted for bush and then this is how the counter is just his way of dealing with this <laughs> I, find, I don't know
2: i find that um i find that really interesting about like that force projection because if you look at taxi driver through that lens is that like there's no indication to actually suggest that he was a vietnam veteran at all he just puts on that guy's because he wants to be seen, he wants like he doesn't understand the representation of what that's going to w- w- withhold in in society him being a Vietnam vet, uh, which which probably mm-hmm. presumably at the time were looked down upon because he'd lost the war, quote unquote. But like he just does it because he wants to be seen, and I think that uh, that ideology comes from Paul Shred of that, you know, like what what I just want to be seen. Like if he looks himself in the character, it was like an excuse to be a Vietnam veteran in order for him to put out his racial. Um, Undertones in those films because then he would then him himself would have an excuse to do it because he couldn't process his anger mm-hmm. towards people who were in that in that country or who were a different mm-hmm. color of his skin. I think that's his process. Um, but here, like,
0: I don't want to imply that Paul Schrader is a racist. No, no, but but, he, I, but, but, I, but there are these but there are these elements, by the way. Just like this doesn't leave me alone, and I, I could maybe okay maybe this is just the sort of the searchers sort of ripples right because the racism in the searchers is just overt right, but then in here hal williams has the scene which you just think to yourself that's a little bit odd right <clears throat> like there are these there are these moments like the guy in master gardner he's a reformed white supremacist well don't spoil right? anymore. He, he's a know. he's a guy who hides his swastika tattoos right so is he is, is he schrader just is he schrader processing his past somehow i don't know but then you just if you add if you look at it you just you could just draw these weird conclusions is schrader just processing his own irrational fears and he just has this guilt baked into his so to add, know, to uh, to,
2: to be devil's advocate and argue against that point. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I also think as a writer for a genre convention, it's the fucking easiest get out because it's a principle it. yeah, a yeah but just, it thing. just feels
0: like. But, but just, you, but you said saying, yourself though you can easily you can easily connect the dots and it's just I don't want to accuse him yeah, of but, anything no, because but Jakob, it's just me be me reading into shit. You, you, but, you said know. you
2: said yourself he's a director who goes back to the well and he reiterates the same plots because he's not quite done with it. I think that happens with genre convention. He knows it's a very easy um, attribute to write for a character. I um a, ca- a, a character A doesn't like character B. Why? Because of the color of character B's skin. It's like it's a the, the basic abhorrent of like the human race. But, but he ind-
0: essentially just reinvents the character of Travis Bickle, like on and on. Like Nicolas Cage's character is kind of a Travis Bickle. I guess like, it's like a quintessential
2: character, is the anti-hero. We've got no idea if, if he's right or wrong. We have no idea if that character can process right or wrongs. So it becomes that moral. I'm pretty sure moral. Travis
0: Bickle is is, is 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 let's just say it's not even an anti-hero. He's a straight up villain. But you know, uh,
2: yeah, of course, and again. But I know I I, I, I I think he's just reiterating going back to the well for that.
3: I think he's smart enough a writer to like what he does go back to is these emotional and psychological cages and that his characters are in. So whether he's reconciling himself, whether or not, you know, oh, I have these feelings toward this this group of people or these racist sentiments. I don't know about that. I think that he can imagine those as a writer, but it's the someone is trapped in an emotional cage and what, what's the nature of that cage? Uh, I think that's sort of what he goes back to and necessarily about any given, you know, fear of climate change and first reform yeah. or something.
2: I mean, he, he writes himself as the beast locked in the cage, prodding himself, and then he wants to know what the result of that is. A, it's a classic case of the writer, isn't it? Like, he wants to substantially understand other aspects, so what he does is, he puts himself into that role, and he finds elements that are reiterated throughout his work, because they work on paper, mm-hmm. and they work on film, and they work for an audience and He prods them, and he prods them and prods them. and then when get what you get there is often you get ripples of human nature. We react in the same way. We re, we react in in, um, in we, we, we we feel. We don't often think. We 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 react instead of we we don't like take that on board and try try think about those scenarios. I just think he's he's the product of that environment, and I think he's just someone mm. like Spielberg with the with the, the absent absentee father. Just something that you grew mm-hmm. up with that you you would integrally put in your film. I don't think it's necessarily the I worst agree. in the world. Are you just are you just worried saying that these attributes are more substantial than than they are in the film? Is that cause you you saying murky waters just, there?
0: Yeah, I just I just want this is this is the worry is on my behalf, and then. Dear Mr. Paul Schrader, this is not something. This is not a dig. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. It's just, I'm just wondering, like if this, these movies are, like, they feel incredibly personal in places, and the, uh, and the fears they project, they kind of just, you know, you just start to think, is the filmmaker identifying with these, or is what is, because he, he doesn't necessarily take a stance too much. He leaves it very ambiguous. Almost to a point that maybe that you just maybe think, like does he actually identify with Travis Bickle? Does he identify with with this, with George C. Scott? Does he, um, or or does he ident- Like, why is the scene with Hal Williams in here? Like, you start asking like uh, as a result, you start asking these questions. Or why is why is the ending of Rolling Thunder has been rewritten ha- has been rewritten so that it wouldn't be all just indiscriminately killing mexicans i think right? um, or just yeah, or just or or, or what's this what's his face um christ sport in 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 taxi driver he was a black character and they specifically studio requested you know like we need to find a white pimp because it would it will it will look really really bad right so i'm just wondering you know so because he leaves it so ambiguous so you don't quite know
2: but uh, i also think though as well it's like um what was i going to say now Oh shit! Yeah, but, um, but I think he's he's a writer though that writes about things that f- he finds afflicted upon himself. Like, he, like you talked about trilogies earlier. There's like three films where mm-hmm. he talks about a character like having dementia, and it's just it's a, just a it's a it's a normal so social uh, human being fear that it's going to happen to one of us. We all have racial bias. Like we can deny that, but we do because we we might be programmed to it subconsciously. So we might have things consciously in our life that. That, 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 that display those things and what's happened with your with your own narratives but he looks at sort of conscious fears race um d- dementia like losing who you are as a person with your own brains like attacking you. I just think these are fundamental things about the human race that he likes to tackle um the mm-hmm. the, the race thing is, like- is, 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 is sorry Randy, I'll be very quick is a is a highly prominent factor though I do, I do, I would not even mm-hmm. contest yeah. that. But it's in those films you have to have a look at what he projects in that. Those characters are not always the most pleasant of people, are they? So I think he, he has to, write yeah. Like, it that like way. as a
0: writer, you have a choice, and you're making these conscious choices of just well, just drawing attention to certain things. Like you know, like why is this guy? You know, like why why do we make it? You know, why do we make the um, the big dick black guy a thing? Do we need him here? No, we don't.
2: But doesn't doesn't that, in, in that specific scene though, it just it adds more tone and thematics to an already it's, quite deep and, and, and
3: asserted story about and even human a bit beings. of levity and, and yeah, and, and specificity too, like just for the for this world. Um like and he also uh, did I don't know if you uh, know Adam Resurrected, which is Oh Willem uh, Dafoe and Jeff Goldblum, yeah. Yeah, pr- prison camp. So uh, there's something about these um, toxic Which he, 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 do, he also does an exorcist yep. prequel
2: cool as well, Randy, as well. He, he touches on yep.
3: Yeah, that's right. And, and Tony was talking earlier about autofocus, and that's a great one, and that, that's a guy that basically falls into uh, Session. Uh, sex addiction, yeah. right? So it's, it, yeah, like I think that there's this addiction
0: team coming up with shame.
3: Yeah. So he, <sighs> he's just drawn, I think, to these… Really, really sort of dark elements, and then oftentimes he will sort of just project them on the emotional cage, sort of boilerplate, if you if you want to call it that. That's sort of how I see it. And then, you know, topically, other things sort of find their way into the scripts.
0: Just as a final measure, by the way, because I think we just, I think because we, we just, I think wrapped the the biggest question I had was to sort of the idea of like whether this movie actually demonizes the sort of industry or does it actually um i i I don't know just criticize conservative america or endorse it i don't know maybe we kind of got to it but one thing we i mean jack you you've you've let's just say you've touched on this a a number of times but i think we kind of just need to kind of let's just say give her her flowers the character of nikki what what would you guys stand on her i've said my piece so i'd like to yeah well she's
3: yeah like i i like nikki she she's the the surrogate daughter like she's the the daughter that gets transplanted into um the this life and you know i sort of joked earlier it's like she's got this colorful personality and sort of makes it a buddy cop film in a way um but at the same time there's this emotional piece that you know she sort of sees she has a bit of her own arc she sees this this gentleman that she's helping out as a possibly i can get out of this life myself you know like you know she's not necessarily you know a abused or anything she has her own agency but at the same time she's hoping to get out and she's latching herself onto this rich gentleman and i think that um there's a there's a piece in here that's really quite sad because she should realize that if if george c scott finds his daughter then he's going to drop her like a ton of bricks and that's what happens and that's sort of sad and we sort of talked about that a little bit earlier and i think so her piece in this is sort of tragic in its own right, but I think that she's you know a great character ever long, and I think she puts in a good performance too.
1: I think the performance is okay. I'm not crazy about the sidekick, the Nikki character, that much. Um, it's sort of a problem, and I know you guys are going to be talking about eight millimeter, and it's you've got the Wa- the Joaquin oh, yeah. Phoenix character too.
0: Not, not, yeah, he's Nikki. Uh, yeah, that he's movie, the Nikki no? of that movie, <laughs> and
1: I'm not sure. I think I, I prefer her maybe over that, <laughs> the approach of that. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's just something a bit about it. I, I think she's, she's pretty strong in her, in her depiction of it. But uh, again, I, I, it's that part of me that, that wanted this more to be the Boyle and uh, Scott show. And some of those conversations, I think, is some of the worst dialogue in, in the film you know the exposition
0: theory. you didn't know oh, you weren't a fan of when he's explaining to her what tulip mean, <laughs> yeah, right. means no i was not i was <laughs> oh, <laughs> like oh you're religious too i'm into so oh s- right <laughs> <something like> this. <laughs> i mean oh, it, there's goodness. certain
1: accuracies to that type of you know the spirituality that that type of you know it's it's not quite a i wouldn't say it's a hooker with a heart of gold there's there's definitely more layers to her there uh but she's got that spiritual kind of that that sort of la bullshit that a lot of people fall into with gemstones it's kind of the, like the bling ring, right yeah bling ring good yeah, <laughs> yeah. good good call out there
0: that's kind of uh, what i thought about when she was explaining what she believes in. i'm like wow this is like nameology and in, in the girlfriend experience like what a lot of cro- yeah and i don't agree <laughs> shit i don't agree with is. the
1: criticism that they had that you know she was too a- a- appealing to play the role i think that you know she's good jake brought mm-hmm. up that that's a great scene i think where she's uh, you know, in the adult booth and confronting him there, like challenging him there. Uh, kind of reminds me of Crimes of Passion, uh, the Kathleen Turner, uh, the Ken Russell movie, some of the stuff in there, mm-hmm. which is another really strong, strong film in the similar genre and similar how to expose it, but not crazy about that character. But that's that may be more a personal thing where I kind of just want to see him go on this Odyssey, a little more troubled, a little more solo without the exposition that leads it the conversations between the two of them. I, I feel like I can understand why some people might think that's necessary. And that's an interesting part for, for me, those scenes didn't work that much.
3: In terms of how the plot flows and we, we talked about this sort of film just sort of slides into its ending as opposed to being thought through or anything. She's definitely a part of that because you know, she's plot point A to plot point B. Well, we got to go see these people, and we got to right. go see these people, and so she's, she's yeah, sort she of knows that right. of this this decision to run the run the tail end of the narrative. Yeah, yeah. So, narratively, she serves a example. very specific
1: purpose for sure. Yeah,
2: Do you know, I've, 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 I've spoken about it very very, I've spoken quite a lot, but just very briefly, just speaking of what both of you have said, especially what Randy said about um about the ending, is that the, the heartbreaking thing about those two characters is that. Um, Chris- Christine is a character who does not want to go back there with her father, you can tell you know it's going to go to shit, but a- she reaches a line <clears throat> in her life where she has no other option, and she takes the, the, the option of what's there left with her she's, she's dealt a, a card, and she has to take it, um, but she doesn't want to, but she's ultimately she's, she's forced to do it, which I, which I think it speaks volumes about her character even, she's forced to do that and she, she goes back, because she, she, she has to she, she doesn't want to, but she has to, whereas you look at Nicky and Nikki wants to be saved, but doesn't allow herself to give herself an out. And I, I, I've, sort of reck- I've sort of reckoned with that in my, inside after watching this film again. And I do think that is so heartbreaking to watch that final sequence where she can't even dignify him with a response. She has to walk away. She, she thought she had an out there. Mm-hmm. And she crafts she crafts herself in helping this man a lot more because she. it's like what you both said. She, she knows she's got an out there. She thinks she's got an out. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll help him. I'll help him. I'll do it. I'll do it. And she sort of reconciles it with herself. And at the end, when he's like, uh, you know, he can't, he can't even look at her hardly. And she just like looks at him, shakes her head, and like just goes off into the distance. There's two women there. There's <laughs> mm-hmm. one that wanted to be found and one that, 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 that never wanted to be found. And how mm-hmm. those arcs go back on themselves is ultimately just yeah. start with where where the, where the end where they began. And it becomes this cycle. It's, it's haunting that she just of, becomes yeah, one This in, guy in just the uses her.
3: Yeah. He just uses her, but in a different way. You know, yeah so she's mm-hmm. still she's still sort of the horror. which yeah she so, she, so. she
2: disperses into the, the background as just mm-hmm. someone yep. on the street again it's fucking haunting to watch that mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the scenes because there's multiple scenes in here that stay with you but that one there i don't think it was probably meant to be as as defining as it was for me personally and i just watched that just like every time i'm like that is horrific just the silent like just shake of her head and just disperses it's brutal to me every time
0: so you kind of answered your your own question because I think you were asking like an hour ago, or it's just like what do you think he changed? He didn't, right? No, I he agree. With yeah, yeah. Says, yeah. yeah he, he immediately assumes like, oh, this, this woman's beneath me. You know, like I have one one woman in my life whom I saved from this ex- from this existence, and then the other one who's. Been uh, shaped by this existence or corrupted by this existence, so I can now freely discard her and pretend she doesn't exist. Even though I think, even in the film, in the ending where he finds her, he takes her home. There's still place for the ending to involve. The Nikki character yeah. being on the other on the other side yeah. of the of Kristen's character, just like holding the other arm, and they two, they both of them take her take her home. It would still work. It would be a bit weirder, but this would imply that jo- George C. Scott's character learned something. So it's undoubtedly yeah, a conscious a choice. Yeah. There. Did.
2: yeah, it's undoubtedly a conscious choice. Perhaps one of the most heartbreaking of the film as well, and <clears throat> leaves it to like the yeah. last second to do it. Bastard! Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Good is great mm-hmm. cinema because it's like it's it shouldn't perhaps perhaps. People who like who he thought this film was going to land for was like great decision, great decision. Take the girl, forget about her. She's 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 muck. she's she's, 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 she's um, vile. When really, the actual audience who's going to see this are going to sympathise with that sequence so much because she's a lost mm-hmm. soul. So again, you talk about maturity as a filmmaker. There, maybe he he, he got that right, but he didn't. But inadvertently so. Mm-hmm. If, that, if that makes sense to me, I don't think that's a conscious mm-hmm. decision for him to nail that. I think it just happened with how the lifespan of the film went, because there's there's no one in that cinema who who he thinks he's writing this for. Thinking that's such a terrible decision. Get Nikki. They're all like, "Yes, she's she's dead too now. Take her your daughter's alive. He does alive. Save her." That's how I'll probably come down on that anyway. Mark,
4: yeah.
3: We're talking. I'm I'm comparing in my mind this film to Sound of Freedom, and I'm thinking oh, George C. Scott needed oh, to do needed to do an opening film? saying this is a this is an important film and people should come out and see this and he should be you know, just scanning his like glass code. of
0: whiskey while he saying this as well <laughs> yeah he's pissed this yeah he's
3: slurring, needed yeah. To be sold. and that that would get the, the, a the religious right to come out and watch it
0: it'd
2: have like a black eye yakub as well just a, just obscured <laughs> just slightly by makeup by bronzer
0: like swaying away you know, just- I just imagine him just slurring his speech like Orson Welles <laughs> in that so champagne advertisement. <laughs> yeah. so what boring. is it
3: again? What is it again?
1: <laughs> Sound of freedom is it's not <laughs> it's a bad comparison though. You know, that's that's for the modern In a way, right? As, as we talk, story, it's, yeah. it's sort of there, yeah. yeah. Absolutely is. It. Although
0: important. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect George C. Scott to have been a, a secret agent or something like that.
1: But he's
3: yeah. saving someone. From a form of slavery in his mind, and this is an important film, and people should come out and support it. That that narrative's there.
2: Yeah, to fair though, Kim Kim Cavill's fighting. He's saving the world on two fronts, isn't it? He's saving in cinema, and he's also saving it in the public hemisphere as well. So more power to him. Jesus, (laughs) it's a slight irony there. Exactly. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Think you might have some. If you've got some. there's some tags here, you might want to tag those, Jim Caville, Santa Frida, you might get a very different audience that
0: you're expecting this week, gang. Oh, Christ, no, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. There, yeah.
2: I wonder where Shredder... Just very briefly i wonder where shredder would rank this within his filmography. Like, do you think it's he, he he would think this is a film no, that- i mean
1: he makes the comments on the commentary that he, he has a hard time watching a lot of this now like he sees yeah, it as more of a that. sophomore effort you know i think he, I, he he mostly goes on about you know the difficulties with scott and the difficulties with the crew at times so <laughs> i think he he found it interesting but he's he's doing what you mentioned before he's kind of saying i would have done this like this now you so you get some of that. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I find that so quite difficult. A, as a, sorry, I just gonna say I find that quite difficult as a filmmaker because I, c- I can imagine if you've got that identity where you can never put something down, that must be excruciating to watch this and know that you put your family dynamics into that and you didn't quite like, nail it. I think it's Schrader. That, that, that must fucking be cruel.
1: If I'm not mistaken, I think it's Schrader that made actually had a great quote in that commentary. And his commentaries, like I said before, are always worthwhile because he says when you're a writer or a filmmaker. One of the things—it's difficult to look back on your early work because you're either going to think it's shit or you were a freaking genius. And what happened? And I and I completely mm. get that. Like, uh, you know, I've done some writing and stuff That's too. That's why I don't listen to right. My and it's and it's like when you look back, <laughs> I've looked back at stuff I wrote when I was there. And I was like, God, I, I I feel I was better. I was more. I was less afraid, or I was, you know, there was something about it in certain times, and on other times, just the opposite of it. So I think that. He's he's one that um, because he's doing traders doing most of these commentaries much more recently, and I've heard uh, his track for the comfort of strangers. So he's he's looking back a good 20 to 30 years on most of his films because most of the commentaries for these have come more recently. And sometimes he's done a second commentary. I mean, he talks on cat people about Mm -hmm. he had a relationship with Natasha Kinski right during that film. So he had a lot of obstacles with his casts in those early pictures like not just scott but uh uh mm-hmm. richard Pryor too i think there was a, a lot of tension between yeah. those two so so that i mean that and that leaves a mark and when you're a young filmmaker you know i i could see you know uh, the intimidation factor there from some, like george c scott even though they're finding yeah. him in a bar in his underwear during the shoot of this a few times you know he's still he's mm-hmm. still got a strong voice
2: yeah but do you know? Do you know Tony? Yeah. I, I think what you've just said there about like him him putting himself through those those three films, um, specifically his debut and, and this, n- knowing what this, uh, knowing how he wrote the daughter Christine, uh, especially with, with her with her mental illness issues and uh, with how he was how he was raised, it almost sounds like he's forced himself to go through those pains of those two things because it was deemed an aspect he had to do. It's like almost like a, even a form of self annihilation, like. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll cast uh, Richard Pryor. I know he's I know it'll be very difficult, but I'll have to do it. Like he puts himself through those things, yeah. and I think he would probably have thought at the time it'll make me a better person or a bigger person in that thing. But I just think it's a form of like self abuse in a way. Yeah, it'd be like, really interesting. I know knowing he, full well,
1: Schrader wrote a Schrader on Schrader book, which I had and I I probably read it years ago, and I don't recall any of that. But he's. Uh, I mean, he's such a, an honest guy. Like he will, he will straight up tell you, you know, uh, how he felt at the time, what was impacting him. So it'd be really interesting to, to look that one up again, somewhere in the library, cause I just think he's fascinating. but then
0: again, there's, there's an ego, there's right? an ego for sure. Like he, yeah. he, so there's something that he says to you about himself but then is it is it real or is it also just a little bit self-mythologized because maybe it is it is one of those things like like you'll never get um like an objective opinion out of a guy who's uh, who's forced to comment on his own stuff right there's even even if he's self-flagellating or is he seems to be critical there's always like is he is he being too critical of himself because it just makes it make is he looking for pity in here because he knows it didn't really he bottled it at the end I don't know. No, I agree with you hundred percent. It's a
2: difficult. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, a di- I it's a difficult analysis, isn't it? Because <clears throat> is how can it But be
0: on on the back of this, one final question before we wrap up because we, I think it's time, right? Because um, uh, w- I'm just we we talked about these conveniences and the fact that there are these like real gaps in logic sometimes and then Schrader started as a film critic he he was trained as a critic right he's he's it's not like it's not like I don't see myself as a critic like it's not like a guy with an an opinion in, in, in a blog or whatever right he's He's a guy who went to school for film criticism, and he was a professional film critic. So, how what what does a film critic Schrader in 1979 think of sh- film filmmaker Schrader doing hardcore with all these contrivances, right? That he, as a critic, he should have picked out, picked up on, and say like, look, this this scene looks stupid. Like, why are we doing it that way? I think
2: not thoughts to like, on this, not not to like. Um treat our egos or anything but i think he would say exactly the same things we've said he would understand that the second half of the film is not what what he intended to do i think he bottoms out on it
0: But yeah but then as he's writing this and then decides oh why am i why am i doing doing why am i bottling this at the end
2: yeah but yeah but yakub think think of it in a different way intervene just change it before you before you but but think of it like this he's building a house inside out like and you, you like how can you tell the house is going to look good if you're building from the inside out? It doesn't work like that. Building a film like this is that every time, ta- every day he writes this, he doesn't get to go back and do it again. So he gets he has five, six, seven goes at it, essentially. Like, I don't think anybody can necessarily know until that goes to an edit that it's any good. I really, I really don't. I, I, there's no way anyone. You can look at dailies and you can think like ah. The, the aesthetic here is not quite what we wanted. There's, there's a few bits, bits of feedback, and it goes back to the, this, the Star Wars Solo thing. There's a reason why they canned uh, them to th- well two thirds into production, beginning to edit, because once you get that sequence is back and you start putting it into form, um, then you realize that this isn't going to work. And I think he would have only probably known that in deep in post production, and he was then fucked because he couldn't go back on it. It's a sophomore effort. <coughs> we, I don't think we Scott would not gone
0: release with. it. Oh my goodness! That's kind of what that's that's what yeah, Tarantino suggests in his book. Just like if, you, like, instead of just spending the next four decades regretting having this movie make make all these mistakes, just put it on the shelf. But but also, but if well, it's like, not
3: his capital, right? Like, yeah, you know, there's
2: who's he other. to say that he's a, he's a gun for hire? There, they've paid for his services.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's I, almost I know, impossible I, to determine, you know final cut in that kind of because he's not going to get it right and the other elephant in the room another elephant in the room is john millius i I mean where he's you You know that those two guys seem quite different like ideologically to me Mm -hmm. and uh and uh, and that's something that i i don't know if tarantino discusses i haven't got to that part of that book by the way but uh there's just so many other factors And and i think a young filmmaker but i do feel that ending that tacked on kind of even the final shot just ends like so many of the typical crime thrillers of the time. It's a disappointing mm-hmm. bit, like hundred percent. It's almost Cranes like it like yeah. wasn't shot by him as well. Right? Yeah. It's, and, it's,
3: yeah. And as a writer, there's only one person who's responsible for the words in the page. And if you're practicing writing and Schrader, I think is an accomplished writer, even at this time, obviously with, with taxi driver and um, blue collar, like he's, he's accomplished. But when you get on set, and you're managing departments and you're trying to get different people in sync with your vision, it, it's a different piece, right? And he's learning that like there's a managerial piece there and that he's learning as well. So um, it's, I think it's just different if you're in the middle of it as opposed mm-hmm. to taking a step outside and, and saying, oh, okay, well, this is how it should be. And in terms of the ending now, after our conversation, like I'm, I'm wondering uh, you know, what, what, what was, what was the alternative does he have that final cut you know was was he told what was the interference you know like i said mm-hmm. earlier i i feel he mostly had free reign but i think on this ending i think that our conversation sort of brings it into light like this ending where the daughter should have been killed well why was that totally off the table is that that is that strictly columbia saying that that yeah yes. it's, it's the decade for the artists but you know, still we gotta we gotta have a little bit of a right. Was it a test screening?
1: Ending? You know, I'm guessing. They yeah.
0: But then, is this something like? Is this an uncredited rewrite from someone? I don't know. But then again, okay, Sh- sure. But for for me, I, unless this is something that's been done out of, uh, after he left the room and then they've reshot certain things and changed when he wasn't wasn't around. Oh, okay, maybe okay. Even still, I would say like if you had the, if, you as in like if if he had. A set of balls. He would have probably said, "You know, if you changed my movie, take my name off the credits. I don't want to have anything to do with he this." He has done that as well. You, he has done do. that. Yeah.
1: Dying yeah. of so, the, light, right? so, like the one you're, mm-hmm. you
0: know. Well, yeah, but yes, exactly. But in, in this film, like if you if, if he then goes on, goes on like a parade and says, "I don't like how I I hate how this movie ends." Well, why why do I see written and directed by Paul schrader on it? Also, as well, he's a sophomore. Take your name off the credits, yeah. But if it's a sophomore, he's never going to work again. No,
3: just well,
0: he he is going to work again, not no, not not, yeah.
3: But does he know that? Is a I
1: wonder, he promised, I don't know, he promised George C. Scott he would not direct, yes,
2: exactly, (laughs) Tona, exactly,
0: yeah. (laughs) But see, this is the, uh, I don't
1: know.
2: I think hindsight's I know, a wonderful it, thing, ha- though. In, like you, you could,
0: have to stand for something in life, I suppose. Like if, but you, does. if you just like, if, well, yeah, no. Now, from a perspective of just like forty years later, when he has been a successful film filmmaker, he goes and slags off his old film, right? And he goes like, "Oh, I hate it so much. Like, if you hate it so much, why did you make it that way?" Right. Yeah, but, but you're you're also so, you're a different man. Oh, at, oh, I
3: don't know if it's a yeah. I hated things as opposed to a you know lessons learned type of. You're a different man.
2: At, you're a different man at thirty than you're at seventy. You just change your life and you, you you fall for different things. You idolize different things. In that moment, it's a film that he's created. He's got his name on it. He's mm-hmm. written it. It's his sophomore effort. He's working with George C. Scott. It's quite a, 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 a controversial film. If he takes his name off he's that, saying, let me just finish though. He's saying, the
0: studio you, made me do this. this. Oh, They made me change this. They made me change Well, that's the that. easy get-out, like, though, stop. isn't it? Who else is he going to blame? Well, well, yeah, yeah. So... If he, he's not saying, oh, it was 30 years ago, I was I was young, I couldn't say no to to people, I didn't know how to do certain things. This is not the line he's taking. He's taking a line of, this is everyone, everybody's fault but mine.
2: Well, that just goes back to your comment about the ego, though. But I think, go, put it into perspective, his sophomore effort, if if he distances himself at this final product, right? he's fucked, because he, he's left Colombia with a film. They can't distribute, because it's too nala. They can't produce. Fine, they can't own make. it then. Just only well, He them. did. He did. But, 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 but again, he, he, he's an alternative. No, but wife. he says, he does "Oh, it's Columbia,
0: Oh, they made. Like, I had so many fights. I had to. I had to John Millius wore a gun on set. I have. I was afraid of him. I don't know. So you know, it's just." But isn't isn't not <laughs> the, the
2: wonder of the Hollywood story? <coughs> you, can, you can bullshit everybody, and he becomes. He lives. He's living. He's lived um, theatrics for, for, for all of his life in Hollywood. That's what the, the name of the game is, and also as well. If it, you know, it's like this famous saying of like, um, if if it happened in Hollywood, it's probably not true anyway. Like it's full of, it's all, they're all full of it. It's full of shit. You know, also, it's, but yeah, but, but he's, he's this very, is kind of what I. Yeah, but don't Jakob, like, like yeah, this is what, you, like, this is what I don't understand about you because you've you've said he, he's a he's a he's a guy who goes back to the well. Like he's he's very mm-hmm. self neurotic. He self analyzes. Like, is he going to look back on his work as a film critic by definition and analyze his own work? Like, I don't know, I do no, no, What I
0: asked was like, why does Paul Schrader, the film critic, not see flaws in the movie he's making at the time that he's making it? Because these flaws would be in the script.
2: Nobody sets out to create something that's flawed. Like you can only put, like they call it the magic in the tin, don't they? Like when when he creates it on set, it'll all be there'll be attention, there'll be adrenaline. So Everything. he
0: specifically sets out to set up these contrivances. No, then no like, not, Peter Boyle just finds the movie out they of just, nowhere.
2: No, no, but they happen, don't they? Like it's, it's sort like have to get over it. Like it's just, a, it's an actual. I don't, I can't, I don't buy it. Oh I don't my god! It. Then give, it star. Con- give it one star. give it one star.
0: Consciously, they consciously, he 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 said like this. This is such a pretentious sort of way of saying like I'm going to consciously just make make screenwriting mistakes in my in my film. <laughs> this is no, I I don't buy it. He just made mistakes because he was yeah. he was young, but he's just like Jesus. Like, Perhaps
2: he's like, not he, the prodigy that, that everyone gives him credit for. Then,
0: that's well, like it's like what's his face? He's um, a vulnerable Ebert, person when he wrote when he wrote a movie and it was shit. Yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> the, the the irony of this this is like he's, he's a very very vulnerable person, just like the the, the characters he it probably was when he was a child. and Didn't acknowledge that because he didn't know what it was, and that's come out in his, yeah, his work. I suppose. But I, I again, I don't think like that the, the whole contrived notion of it's so detrimental to the film I think it's like what what, what Tony said at the beginning like, and I argued it as well I've seen this three times now and you do find the small bits yeah. when you watch that the first time that is not the first thing you highlight it's just not it's, just, it's, it's a thing that you have to sort of look for and be like ah, that's strange does it take anything away from no, it? Maybe no, it does these, for you. I don't think it does for me. Okay, these
0: conveniences—they're kind of slightly annoy me, and some of them just made me giggle a little bit. But what annoys me is the fact that the ending is kind of just like the the, the latter half of of the film really shoots the bed, just in terms of the message it sends, and then the fact that the character doesn't learn anything. This is this is this is a screenwriting problem. Like, I don't mind essentially the fact that you finds the eight millimeter tape, and then he even knows you know like out of nowhere he knows where to find it but he doesn't know what the other actors are so i don't know. so i think you, it's, you, you're, it's you're throwing conspiracy here do you think that he didn't make those decisions then i'm pretty sure peter bow made the movie
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you would have made it. that and scooby-doo 2 was it <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh, yeah
3: like maybe there were test screenings like I, I don't know how we arrived at a, at a couple of these things these, things at the end right and maybe this was the interference but you know on the whole like if if this is me, I don't take my name off this like this is you know you're a young man trying oh, to make it. your way, and it's a solid it's a solid solid film, and it's it speaks to his themes it speaks to what he wanted to get out there um and then there's weaknesses in the end you know was it s- script doctor to, well, probably not script doctor, but you know was was he told to you know make these changes make it happier and you know I don't mean, know we, for, we don't know for, right
0: for me <clears throat> this is just a binary issue of either. Go all out and t- take your name off the credit and just embrace the fact that someone made the changes for you or just own it and shut up and don't bitch more and complain.
2: No, I, I, agree, I agree with you there. Yeah. I think that <laughs> just, you, sometimes just, you, you know. make your bed, you lie in it. But I, I will say that, just to answer Randy's, Randy's point there, I think he was on set and then he was filming, setting up a certain way, and a producer came onto set who had more who had more knowledge than he did, or allegedly, who had been around for, far more film shoots, him knowing that the I- idea of the film is quite controversial to begin with. And someone went to his ear was like, I'd, I'd do it this way, I'd change that. And then he probably went home, s- self-analyzed himself and thought, fuck it, he's, this person's right, not believing in his own skill. And I think as that person's got older, Schrader, mm-hmm. and Schrader he's, he's evolved to understand that the gut's always right. And I think that I think that's just the type of person he is. I think you can get that in loads yeah. of like in, in creators who mm-hmm. start and so there's a producer Let's on board.
0: This is where you shit the bed because I think like someone like young Tarantino, his sophomore did. effort, doesn't get doesn't get tossed around on set by some by by like if the Palma showed up and said like I wouldn't do it that way, he's just like well it's not your film, Brian, okay? But he also this is how I see it. He
2: he, he he's off. raised <laughs> he's raised in a very different background where he was raised to to say what he wanted, speak how he wanted, dress how he wanted. He doesn't come from a background like Schroeder does where it's, it's mostly inside a cave. There's a, there's two very different uh, upbringings there. Where I think, but he's Christian, He ran away from
0: home and died Yeah, yeah but also activity.
2: like, if you're in that video store and you go, you go rent Babe, and Tarantino's like, "What the fuck are you watching that for?" Go look at. I'm um, pretty
0: sure, but he would recommend. No, Babe, well, maybe he would.
2: It probably wouldn't be a pig in the <laughs> city, but that's another conversation. Where Schrader would take take the money and, and sell the item. They're just two different ideologies, and also as well, I think that sometimes if if um, if Tarantino would have perhaps taken certain measures like that, I think he he would have had a broader. Sp- sp- stroke of, of certain entertainment as well but again you 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 die you live you die with that vision after everything's said and done tarantino will live a life of saying no one told me like who the fuck is them no one told me how to create mm-hmm. i did it myself whereas traded because that's sort of his character will analyze i just think it's an ideological thing i think it's a personality thing i don't think i, it's I, a big, I, I, I agree big deal.
3: i yeah I, th- I think it's just sort of a personality thing and yeah totally mm-hmm. agree do, do, so you think, do you think
2: at that point, put yourself in his shoes, do you think you would have told that producer, like, no, I'm fucking Paul Schrader. I've made, I have made, I, wrote Taxi Driver, and I've, I've made Blue Collar, and I wrote Rolling exactly. Thunder that got misaligned he's anyway. Not,
0: he's not a young Kristen sort of who's just about run away from home. But you live he's with that. trauma. fucking you, Schrader. Yeah, you live yeah, with yeah. that That's, trauma, though.
1: He lives with yeah, that trauma. You, you don't just get you rid are of who it. you are. Do we have yeah, any right. indication? Change takes a long do time. Do we have any indication who this producer is? It's not really, it's <laughs> right. Oh, it's probably uh, his job. Right. Is it think, Lawrence Gordon?
3: I just it think it's, just it's, it's, right.
2: the, it's, the, it's the corporate aspect of it. It's the fact of someone's arriving on set, doesn't particularly and like, like what he sees, and then goes, "I want felt, it shot the same way." Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I reckon that. It's, I'm
1: not, you, I'm he, not using a any specifics name. here, though just
2: for, just for clarity. Yeah. I'm not using any specific names. I think it's a, it's a it's an ideal. It's a it's a corporate entity that, that comes down and like it's like. You, like who who the like, makes like MCU movies now? Like, do you really think fucking anyone is like Chloe Jaws going to have an idea of how to make Eternals? It's all Viz. so the producer will yeah, but it's, orchestrate it's this. It's not the
0: same era. Like these guys were. It's, just, a, it's the same type of filmmaking. It's the late seventies. The, the director runs the show no?
2: Yeah, but if it, these are putting, uh, these are putting like two million dollars. Mm from Columbia at that point yeah. to put into hardcore. They want it shot how they want it. There's a fallacy about like, if you have, also straight at this point It's not an auteur. He has no clout whatsoever. He wrote a few things like, yeah, fuck up. They fucked Trumbo off, didn't they? Like what? Academy Award winning um, writer. They fucked him off because he had left leaning. Like this is an entity that doesn't have any loyalty, I think. So they put money in the bank. They want it produced. If it's not done to their satisfaction, oh, hang on a second. Like we, we wanted to have a good, a good uh, day at the end. It's like, well, no, that's not my script. Well, it's my film. Like, do you want? I'll just buy it. Like, you, you don't necessarily have the power at that time. I think people do. I think he's, I think he's constrained. Mm. I think that the, even the fact that we got this film to a point that we did, is probably a, a, more credit to Schrader than anything else. The fact he couldn't get anything more in, I don't think, is a detriment to him. But I'm also that the the production wouldn't give him that 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 quality of work. I would never, but I would, I don't, not to scapegoat anyone here, but and not to like radicalize anyone like frustrated but he definitely makes missteps in his career. Don't get me wrong, undoubtedly. Oh, yeah. With, with, he has the same issue with The Exorcist, doesn't It's a very similar attribute where they're like, "This is not what I wanted to make. I've paid for this. I'm paying you now. Fuck off. I'll bring you you, you ball in whatever he's fucking called, and we'll make something else." It's the power of the producer. We just Randy don't Holland. see it to a certain degree every year that we probably would do if we were um you know ears on the ground i just i just think that that's how it works in hollywood unfortunately
1: do we know the box office take for this because that would that would also oh. be another factor you know like how i mean the film <laughs> didn't
3: come across and, it and yeah, i mean the film the is world. definitely remembered yeah, I, uh, it
1: was you know i think it was pretty big on video too like at least I, I, that would answer some yeah. of it. It the fact that it's still around yeah, yeah. and it's still yeah, part like, of the it conversation. It's still, exactly, and, I, and yeah. I think it still has the signature of a Schrader script. And I think that, yes. you know, it's, I, I can't see it being something, I think we've talked about the power. I, I, I don't think we can determine who had the final power in that time, but mm-hmm. I don't think Schrader would have had enough cloud at that point. And he's had so many of these little movies that have sort of, almost been there not quite there you're always kind of rooting for him and i mean it's almost until first reform well affliction right affliction for schrader it's it's still yeah. around that time where he seems to really get the respect you know almost mm-hmm. getting closer to the auteur but he's always sort of been in that shadow of his screenplays and the shadow of scorsese mm-hmm. that's true
0: yeah by the way there's no uh, box office mojo there, right no. yeah um,
1: yeah, that's not going back. That
0: a, on, on I mean, right it's, but it's, it's a small a budget too.
2: You, you, yeah. yeah, look yeah. at Sam Raimi. Look, look at stuff like that. Like, like look, look at like Nolan. Even, even with the Bane voice, he was like, "That's how, that that's see what he wanted to do." But no one could hear a word he said. So, what did they do in post? They, they, the altered it. Do you think Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. did that? Did you think you got, you got it wrong on set? I mean, it's the same principle. You just because the producer mm-hmm. comes down and says, "We've, we've got concerns. Fix it."
0: But it's just like, I, I don't know, like, I think Nolan has enough of an ego to, to, to even just stand behind the, the shitty movie he made. It's like, I love it. Okay. And just okay, okay, fair enough. You know, like, I admire your stance on this, respectfully disagree or, or something, but you know, like, at, at least he's, he's not just blaming other people because no, I, I feel this, yeah, he, this movie sh- jumps off the cliff halfway through. And then he blames other people, and then I'm just wondering, like, you should have seen this coming somehow, or just made made some kind of a different noise. Either just make a statement, or not, or just shut up and own it. Well, I mean, you right, do because you I, I just feel like there's a, there's there's just like, look, de- hate Death Proof all you want, but if you ask Tarantino what he thinks about it, he still thinks it's an amazing film. Well, well, yes. No, well, he thinks it. it's and his worst film, I like right? that, <laughs> Doesn't he? Well, yeah. yes, but he, but what he what he then qualifies it with, like, in, in a in a you
2: know, was it like his with his ha- with his, for his a, hand? For behind a left handed yes.
0: for a left handed movie it's pretty fucking awesome, he says. Yeah. So yeah. I don't he, like it. He film, sees this as his to worst film, he said, but he see, he sees that his even his worst film is pretty great. I
2: I so. I, 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 I agree with you completely. <laughs> about, I agree with him. about being That's what, what you would do, yeah. But I I agree with you completely about like you should always stand behind your work. in in, in, the, in the time it happened or ten years from now, you made it then, you might change as a person. But you have to appreciate it what it was at the time, and I think we don't have that anything in Hollywood now. Like the, 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 it's just like the, the counterculture of like coming at coming out against certain people or canceling certain people because they did a tweet, a joke on Twitter. It's like or X, whatever you want to call it now. It's like like please, like these these, these people like producing films like with 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 like blackface and they profit on it and they, they slept at night. They always go after the small people because the entity is a mission impossible there. But the the, the corporate get up can never be held responsible but i think the difference between the nolan thing right and if you look at that hemisphere in a similar way it's look at sam raimi after spider-man 3 he came out and said like i didn't want venom in my film um i think it was too many characters that fucker never worked again like like what did he make drag me to hell like what three years later then he went off to do that stupid Wizard of horse thing like almost a decade after that
3: like yeah, this is this long stretch in between
2: yeah and he was making films every three years before that you know like Sometimes you've Christopher Nolan. You know, it, you can bring an Academy Award in the night before, come out and say some some things against the people and the that, hand that feed you, and you you might struggle to get a job again. So I think it it might be a slight naivety on that part to not know that you know sometimes you are the dog. You, you've got a handler. You don't bite. Do yeah, I think that's just Schrader he can come down on his own work now because he's working. Which his is which honesty. is why I think
0: okay well. You- this is the principal thing. Well, if 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 it means I won't have a career in Hollywood, at least I'll you know I'll sleep. I'll be able to sleep at night. Yeah, <laughs> this is just one of those. I, I don't know. I just I, I just feel like I either just shut up and own it, and then just and, and retain your principles that way, or just take your name off the credits. But either way, don't bitch, moan, and complain that people people took took your movie away from I I with you. I don't I don't disagree with you. Had had a chance you. to at least voice some concerns somewhere, right? Is that the
3: prominent have. Tony has Tony in the commentary, or is it just sort of here and there? The I don't. Grumbling? I don't
1: remember that specifically. I just remember him like he was. I mean, he was talking. He was owning it. I, I don't think he had uh, uh, that much problem with it. I, I, I think he was just looking back at it as like, well, this is what I would have done differently now. I don't I? Don't remember him talking that much okay. about studio interference. In fact, I think that was. There's another commentary track with some experts. On cinema at the time, and there's a few mm-hmm. contradictions, but I think they get more into that kind of stuff. Schrader himself just talks about his own work and and uh, and a bit a bit about the relationship with Scott. Like he's frank about some of the stuff, but I don't remember any of this. And it wasn't like he was disowning the film. I think there was he was just looking at it as like, well, I would have done this much better now, or maybe differently, you know, and how he and happy accidents or things like that. But I don't remember disparaging stuff at all.
2: Just to add on to that as well, very quickly as well, there's a very big difference as well because George C. Scott's dead and mm-hmm. Columbia are a very active production company he could possibly work with in the future. So he, he knows what he's doing. He definitely knows what he's doing.
0: No, I was just like, for some reason, this spilled into into this like a whole separate conversation. All I, all I was interested in was this idea that the guy as a critic in 1979 um, wrote, a, wrote a heavily flawed script. and I was just wondering, why? You should have seen this coming. But then again, ah, it's a pretty rich script
3: too. Like I didn't
0: see I the forest it. for the trees. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I don't see it as it's flawed, but not heavily flawed. There's a lot to hang your hat
0: on here.
2: I agree. On. I agree, Rand. I think that's very yeah. If that's the final thoughts as well, like, that's exactly what I would say. I think I think it's fine. Um It's it's good. It's not great for me, but it's very very good. Uh, I get I I definitely think it's a, like a, a strong four, if not like a, a, a very top three. Um, but I'd, pr- mm-hmm. I'd probably give it like a, a good four stars. Uh, there's there's better out there, but I think you've got to look it through. You said that especially with the searchers, you have to watch it through mm-hmm. the lens that it was created. There are issues of that, specifically mm-hmm. the ending and the second half of it. But I think it's it's an enjoyable feature if you can get any enjoyment out of it. But you can appreciate the talents on offer. It's a very cinephile film. The acting, the performance, how it's constructed. Oh, the look of the film. We've, we've yeah. all talked. Yeah. We've all we've all talked about like the aesthetics. We've all talked about the cinematic quality of it. Uh, again, we've gone deeper into sort of the subtext and the thematics, What the film says and what the film's about. Don't get me wrong, but
0: to me, it screams. That's kind um, of what we do here. Yeah, exactly. Just saying. Yeah, this is like, you know. Um,
2: I also not here just you'
0: just stacked adjectives. Okay. Yeah. And chew bubblegum.
2: Yeah, like it's 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 definitely that's the sort of pedigree I would put it into. Uh, but I I, I again I, I I say the same thing I said before. I have absolutely no interest in watching this ever again, perhaps <laughs> perhaps just to show someone like Paul Schrader's filmographer. But I think everything that was in there, I've, I've completely found. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, I think that there's just, I'd like to, pref- I would, would rather watch his other work now and seek that out rather than ever go back to this. I don't know. It's just, I think it's exactly the same with all of his films. Like I get it, I watch it, I see it and I'm like, oh, okay. I take away from it what I do. I have a slap, chat with it in my head. First reform, the car count is the same have no interest in ever watching those films again. I think what you get, what you see is what you get on most of them. I don't think that's a bad thing, I think that's such a quality of it um, but I, I've, I've not changed, I like talking about it and I've been educated on a lot of things and things have been highlighted and then, and, and then pushed down but I, I come at this exactly the same way I started just, it's, it's good, it's really good but I, I don't think there's much yeah. else there for me to ever sort of expand upon really.
0: So is it an uncut gem for you then?
2: Yeah, because I think at the time to get away with this is what he did, and to achieve what he did, yeah, my stuff, I think it's an uncut gem. Uh, but again, like it's not like it's not underseen, is it? It's like we spoke about this earlier. Like it's a cult cool classic, but for, for me, I think it's infamous rather than being famous. Uh, in a way, I think it's it's not a critical darling. It's an audience that, again, it's like the the film ultimately builds its own myth- mythology. It's a film you've got to go out and seek. You've got to find it. It's not going to come to you and it just works with the precedent it sets with its narrative so it like it has this wonderful little circle about it as of how it how it's crafted is ultimately how it's seeked and I like that it's, it's weird, I like that um, but uh, I don't think anyone's like ever going to sit say, say this is like badly crafted in a way but it's definitely an uncut gem if we're going to categorise it like that. I'd be very interested to know someone who fucking hated this like sat down and annihilated every point we made I'd like to hear that, and letter books will be interesting to find
1: that out because well, I'm sure it's like, there. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I was
2: just thinking in my head now, it'd be like how, how, how it discusses the female form, gender, dynamics. I'd be, fi- I'd be very interested to read that, but to annihilate I mean, it because it showcases pornography to me is like not quite. Like I'm, not
0: even, I'm not. sure if I'm interested in reading like people who are just like have like they're trying to exercise their moral panic towards the film. Oh, I completely. I mean, agree just with these are like yeah. the most boring takes. Yeah, of I agree just, with like you, yeah, yeah. This is problematic. This is something like Jesus, give yeah. me a break. again, again on an, uh, th-
2: that, that's a massive detriment to film criticism as well because ultimately that gives precedent mm-hmm. to to like feeling and not thought. So to me yeah. I think I think like we have to, like there's some cinemas produce some very dangerous qualities and some very unethical attributes but they've happened and it's good it's good attribute to take that it's been crafted on on, on film and we get to see that and we get to analyze it and hopefully not to make the same mistakes but also it's not a bad thing in a, in a film from for a man to be a bastard or a woman to be an absolute bastard and it in it to be constructed in a way where it's to, it's devices of of, of Upon the audience and to discuss—that's an attribute. It's a conscious decision, you know. And, and and we seem to forget about that. And I just hope. Well, prefer at the time I would be. I'm going to go back and read Pauline Kael's review of this because I bet that'd be fucking so interesting because she adores De Palma, and then to like. But
0: she hated this.
2: Yeah, which I think is like.
3: And she generally likes Schrader, I think. Yeah, it's like an oxymoron yeah. in
2: itself, isn't it? So I'd be interested to read that. But I agree with you, mm-hmm. Jakob. I think people like virtue signal about this. It's like I don't think just have the discussion about it like have a constructive criticism about how it was crafted i just think it's a fact of film criticism now that's like dearly dead like it's it's like it's mm. fucking teetering it's
0: like mm. <laughs> 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 by, by the way i'm just reading reading one star reviews on letterbox of this and i'm just coming to a conclusion that just film reviewing on this site is just you know it's just meme reviews yeah he doesn't say it's oh my god that's my daughter half star or just
1: okay does it have an average do you see an average there uh
0: the average is hold on i just is it 3.3 or 3.5 3.7 3.7 3.7 or
3: 2
0: no 3.7 average that's about right four stars it kind of just has the bell curve kind of just teeters and like just but but Schrader has
2: his own little cult, doesn't he? As well, like he has a cul de sac of like diehards. So you're going to get that in any, in any walk of life. Yeah, it's up to the neutrals yeah, yeah. to deal with this.
0: Yeah, yeah so. and, they'll do, and
2: they'll do nothing. <laughs>
0: so four stars and an uncut gem tony what's your final take out of five stars and whether this is an uncut gem or not i'd say it's definitely an
1: uncut gem i would i looked at my last two which i didn't review it either time actually previously because i was doing the commentaries and i gave it four four i think this time i would be a 3.7 to be
3: honest (laughs) it would go down a
1: little bit this time it is about the fifth time i think i agree with jake that not getting as much out of it now, but I still enjoy the little bits. And we get into the the best and worst. I I, I still have fondness for it. I, I would still watch it again. I don't know if I'm going to take as much yes. out of it again. Uh, I'm going to finish the novelization and see if that comes closer to the ending of the uh, of the alternate version. But uh, no, it's not, it's definitely a gem. I mean, it's a gem for for the longest time. It was probably my favorite of the Schrader directorial films. You know, so. And, I, and it might still be up there you know if I go through it. He's an interesting guy. it's hard to it's hard to pick even in this too like a really standout scene. I guess we can go for the poster grab to, <laughs> with, with the uh, with the original quote right with maybe not the real movie yeah. quote but I guess that mm-hmm. scene has to be looked at as a kind of but there's nothing there's not a real sequence that I can say that uh, and that's a problem with Schrader for a lot of the stuff like I can't think of the ones he's directed. I can think of them broadly as having liked most of them, but I can't pick up on certain sequences which I usually look for in, in my favorite directors but I'd still call mm-hmm. him a favorite director
0: he's not gonna he's not, I think it's that's not taxi driver where he has this sort of you know you you're talking to me scene that that becomes he doesn't have this right. sort of meme Well, that that's a meme though um, that put moments, right?
1: Scott in the theater is a meme no matter what you put underneath it that is a meme. <laughs> Yeah, it's
2: 100 I, I do think Tony, what you've just said there though about his film is like you don't he doesn't have set pieces it's the entirety. I, right. think, that, I think that's exactly what I would, that's exactly how I would describe it that perfectly sums it up for me. That's what I'll use forward. It's like you have to what you have to experience the entirety And I don't think there's very film very few filmmakers like that. Like I can't think of any modern directors or like <laughs> you have to watch your from A to B because you just know like, when you think of the set pieces. Maybe, maybe Villeneuve might be might be one. Maybe, maybe this is. I, y- I don't know.
0: You know, you know what this is like. This is where this is where Schrader himself will probably tell you. you know, like a Jehovah's Witness. Like, so ha- do you have time to to talk about Robert Bresson? <laughs> 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 Christ. Oh, <geez. clears throat> but yeah, I totally agree. He doesn't have set pieces, Randy. Yeah. yeah. Um, this no was. Sake
3: forever a four film for me this conversation has has been great you know and um i do, i'm sort of with tony i think that my score probably notches down a little bit to a, maybe a three and a half here i think that as you look into this there, there's some weaknesses around this ending that after this conversation especially a little bit harder to not see um but i'm still with this you know clashing worlds thing i think this works really well and you know uh just you know, largely it's just another great man in an emotional cage story, which is Schrader's go to. So, yeah, this is definitely still a uncut gem. Uh, probably three and a half. I think we'll actively dip that from a four to a three and a half. But, yeah, anyone who hasn't seen it should still check it out.
0: Jakob, what about you? Wow. Well, uh, in, in the course of the conversation, it went like from four reasoning. stars to one, <laughs> and it went a half. from four stars down to three. Okay. uh and i thought it would have gone to three and a half but it's gone down to three because i think it's a genuine problem for me that this movie kind of bottles it in the end and it's a problem for me just conceptually for the character um how it deals with nikki it's just uh, it, it, it kind of just descends into a bit of a mess and i feel mm-hmm. like at, on, on this watch i can't overlook it i'm just like i'm sorry paul and then also the, the fact that it's just like just grow a pair and just own it so, so i watched track down for this as well and I also kind of thought like this is like a three out of three out of five like this is <laughs> this is what it is right but I feel like there if you take some elements from trackdown and and like narrative elements how they actually have the balls to actually kill characters off and, and just make these sort of a little bit more bold decisions and put them in hardcore and then equally if you just get take some visuals visual sort of let's just say elevation. Uh, An inspiration and put it in trackdown, They are both three and a half out of five or four stars as a result for me. So they can just benefit from one another. But I, th- I feel there's there's a movie in here that I'd like this movie to be, and I'd like to I'd like it to to have been made that way. But it's not the movie that I got, and I feel like on second watch, it really I couldn't I I couldn't see past it. I so think I, th- uh, I think I
2: might. I, so I'm, I'm not gonna I'm, come. I'm probably. <laughs> I think I'm probably leaning with you there. Actually, I don't. I don't. I, I would. St- I would still think it's a. It's a four star because I think even though what we got at the end, I think it's. It's quite well crafted, and especially like the end where it disperses into the background. I like the Shorty Scott actually cries, which is probably just fucking. It <laughs> no, just, ex- exfoli- just exfoliating the vodka. The vodka vul- the the is exfoliating. I was like, persp- yep. out of his, his face." But um, I don't know. That's tough for me. I think I'm gonna have to really think about this one actually.
0: So. Oh, yeah man. so i think i'm still gonna say like maybe it is an uncut gem like there's some there are some people who love that uh, yeah it there is an audience for for that kind of stuff but i think it, yeah maybe i'll watch it once more in the future just to make sure i've validated the purchase but <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> but yeah that's kind of where i stand on this so i think it's time to go through our top threes and bottom three so let's just start with our tops Tony, do you want to sure. go first and go through your tops?
1: Uh, tops. Let me see here. I had to put yeah. the uh, location, the use of the real locations. And just, I mm-hmm. love stuff set in LA, especially at this time period. You know, the seediness. I really think he gets that right. He does some of the best stuff, like using that. Like, you, you talk about, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that had to recreate a lot of this stuff. Well, the Pussycat Theater is still visible in this film, like, actually still there mm-hmm. at this time he's shooting it. So that really is just remarkable to me. I think going inside the real shops, it's one of the only movies I can think of where someone pays the toll to browse, which was a real thing at some of these things. Don't ask me how I know that, but I do know that uh, from that time. It makes it sense if you think about what yeah, kind of material absolutely. If you're you know, gonna, right? you gotta Yeah, absolutely. You've got to pay to browse, right? pay to play kind of thing. So yeah. I really like that stuff. And there's a man who paid to browse. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did, right? 50 cents It was the thing. Right? Uh, so that stuff I, yeah. I, I really like. I really like the night and day stuff, like all the stuff on location. Uh, I don't know if this shows up in, but that that L.A. plays itself movie, like be perfect for that. There's a lot of good stuff day and night. I, I, there may be a little bit too much in the motel rooms, but we'll get to that in the negatives. Uh, second thing I would say, the aesthetics, and we've talked about that quite a bit, the Michael Chapman Photography, I think this was the right call. I think going grungier would have been more forgettable. I, I really like the stylization of it of the sets. Um, I like all that stuff, the colors, the lighting. It, it just it looks really good. So Chapman's work here, and Chapman is a favorite of mine. I really like his stuff. And, um, the, well, the bonus one, I already mentioned, George C. Scott's undercover costumes. I don't care. Those were fun. That was hilarious. That's a little bonus. My official one would have to be Peter Boyle. And the relationship between those two guys, Peter Boyle. I want to see a series, and I think that would have been greenlighted at the time. You know, a, a detective series with Boyle as this character. You know, uh, would have been a really neat show. So I think his stuff and his his hair, his. I mean, it's just as flamboyant as Scott, right? Like it's it's a great thing, and I think that the stuff Scott does with him is the most grounded, is the most memorable to me. I think those two together, Whipper Snap, that was just good stuff.
0: Awesome. Jack, your turn.
2: All right, we're gonna we're gonna have a slight theme here, so I'm gonna keep it brief because I think everybody knows what these mind are gonna be. Um, I've I've met my, my my bottom top one, <laughs> my third top, top one yeah. Bottom top, my uh, my third uh, from the tops. I, I don't particularly like the add-on of it. I don't think it's needed. Uh, we've discussed this in its title. but I do think how they have that reconciliation and they have that discussion right at the end between Christine and and the uh, C. Scotts character when he just lets it just fucking rip. He lets the guard down as this masculine, boisterous nature of him as a fucking de- detonator running through um, LA underworld and then finally just explodes. There he goes, pun for you go, that's another punfia. I think it's a really good little, little scene as well. <laughs> um, I think it's a really good little scene as well. And I, I think f- from what I spoke to Tony about, it's just one of the scenes with, within George C. Scott where I'm like, ah, there's something there. Which wants me to like go and have a look at a few other things. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, second, Vicky in the uh, in the booth where she just torments him. She's having fun with it because she doesn't really know him just yet, um, and he like doesn't know what to do. It shows his insecurities as a man, um, and also like he's, he's very he's very private nature to himself. It says a lot about him. It also says a lot about her. So bit, like the quirkiness to her, uh, it's quite infectious. It's, it's quite immersive. It's quite fun. Uh, in in a film that's very dark, it's like one of the highlighting nature. It's more a laugh at us, um, not not with us, which I thought was quite redeeming in itself. And my, my top my top one would be um, uh, Nikki at the end, just dispersing to that background. I think it's absolutely brutal. It's it's just it's so effective. Just the silent nod, the shake of the head in disbelief, but knowing deep down it was never going to happen. But she held on to it to a belief that was going to save her throughout all this, and just becomes one with with, with the, the underworld again with the force yeah she one with the force. So for, for, yeah she does a max Mad Max fury road doesn't she she copied off George Miller she, she
0: just should disposes. have come out of nowhere like Albert Einstein in Oppenheimer yeah just upset, like, to by the out this exposition in a five-star film yeah
2: um but yeah that'd be my top
3: anyway
0: Randy all right
3: mm. um I have an honorable mention um in one of the gentlemen's clubs I think this is just this was just 80 yards and after, but there's a line in here. It's just sort of in the background. Uh, one of the workers says to another customer, well, if you're too old, we got seatbelts for you. And that's just sort of <laughs> thrown in. I thought that was hilarious. Okay, so that's just a little honorable mention. Um, I do like the, the emotional heft that goes with Scott's line towards the end where he says, I can't show love. No one taught me. I thought that was sort of. You know, that's a well spoken line of dialogue and it's sort of significant um, to these characters. Um, now I'm going to echo a couple uh, points that uh, Tony and Jack said. So, um, dropping Nikki just to the curb, and so he's got his daughter now, and Nikki, yeah, you're used, used you, don't need you. And then, yeah, you know, that is sort of crushing and sort of a surprising weight to the secondary characters' arc. Um, so, that's really well done. Um, and what tony was saying peter boyle like so not just his relationship but with uh this Scott, but peter boyle in general like this guy is is fantastic i love him. i love this guy um and he's just got these great little throwaway lines and even things that they don't feel like special lines he somehow makes specials uh makes special like, i'm really sorry i didn't mean to offend your sensibilities or something like that but it's just a really magical read like his line reads are absolutely fantastic you're unhappy, I can see that, I'm sensitive to people's psychology, like, he's just a <laughs> just great, great delivery, so yeah, Peter, Peter Boyle, the best. Jacob, what do All you right. have I
2: nice have. to say? Wish this should be good.
0: I have, uh, Rattan's hole in the back, when he gets shot and you can barely see that he got shot, there's just a little <laughs> tiny little, little red dot, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> it's just, this it takes you, just, yeah, it just takes you a while. <laughs> to realize that something happened to him and just okay so, so i, I kind of enjoyed this because it's just almost like a counterintuitively because it's like an anti-rolling thunder where it's just like people's arms are flying off you know it's just like okay the guy just gets gets shot in the back and just falls um so i, I feel like yeah it looks like a conscious decision for some reason or, or is it a moral panic i don't know like, I really love uh, the uh, confront the, the, the tension in the moment where uh, the uh, the actor walks into the room and it's flip-flops uh, and then it's just <laughs> Josie just, Scott just like does a double take he just looks at him and just go like, oh, oh, oh. hello and you just think, oh shit something's gonna happen and then the, how it ends when he just well again in a, in, if he hadn't bottled it, he would have beaten him to death with a, with a shower head which I think would have yeah. been, a, you know, it, it would have been a choice. Um, not very do, yeah, do, you think,
2: like, do you think it leads up to
0: interpretation if he does do him? I, I don't think he does any any anything. I think it, essentially my whole shtick for, for George C. Scott's character, he's not a man of action, really. He's a man of not really doing much. He can't even decide whether the color is right or not. He goes like, I think it's a little bit overpowering. I don't know, it's just like, just make up your mind, George. That blue that blue is it's pillo- too blue. pillowing blue,
2: isn't it? It's pillowing yeah, it's
0: blue. Just like what kind of a CEO are you that you can make a decision? Who gave you this job? Your dad? Wow. Probably. <laughs> Probably was actually, yeah. It's Van Dorn on the on the door, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then <clears throat> one one little piece of filmmaking I really like in there where he gets thrown out of the uh, kind of i don't even know what kind of establishment this is the massage parlor i don't know he gets manhandled and schrader puts the camera over overhead like above the ceiling and just mm-hmm. like just tracks uh, as, as he gets manhandled i think that yeah this is a very interesting sort of uh piece of cinematography that kind of draws a attention staircase to you don't want like to like hit a few moments of Sorry,
1: a staircase you don't want to hit when you're intoxicated like that level of stairs <laughs>
0: oh yeah yeah oh totally yeah but i feel like in a movie that doesn't necessarily in, uh, rely on set pieces and doesn't have these sort of flashy moments these are these little moments these camera moves that kind of draw attention to themselves as in like these are these sort of flex moments from 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 him that i kind of enjoy mm-hmm. and there's a few more but then they're kind of along the same lines where he just puts a camera in a very we- weird place just oddly in an otherwise very conventional sort of setup so i really like that so these are mine Bottoms. Um, I mean, almost it will be easier, but I'm like the only hater in the room. I've got, I've
2: got, uh, I've got
0: three. I think
2: think this would be too hard for people. This one. All
0: right. So let's let's keep with the um, with the order. So let's start with Tony.
1: Okay. Uh, The conversations between (laughs) Nikki. I mean, the exposition in those motel room scenes. That's probably it. You know, just some of the contrivances and the dialogue. That'd be my first. My first thing, you know, uh, as a negative. The second would have to be what's her name, Illa Davis as Kristen. She's got the mm-hmm. look, uh, and it and the and it looks and it works really well in that uh, eight millimeter footage. But I, I think the last and going with the dialogue again, that that last sequence for the last scene, the exchange between the two of them, uh, I can really I really feel it was a pretty flat flat performance. I know that wasn't her.
0: Yeah. Apparently- She's according a league. according to Schrader, apparently he had never any 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 plans of, because again like he had a different ending for her. She was, right. he was supposed to die yeah, on screen. Yeah. So, uh, apparent apparently this was kind of one of those where it's just like where am I? Supposed, like and, and now I'm supposed to throw in this woman who doesn't have any any right. any sort of acting chops in what he describes, into the cage with with the perpetually drunk right, J.C. Yeah, yeah, Scott. Exactly,
1: yeah. <laughs> I think it's a dialogue there that is, Sorry. I mean, the marriage of the two of them in that sequence uh, is yeah. problematic. I don't think she deserved her Worst Supporting Actress nomination for the stinkers, but that's pretty razzy, but you know how those go. Uh, and then the number one, I'd say the too many coincidences and what we've said about the ending and, and some of the other narrative <laughs> stuff. And that's probably where I live. And I don't like none of this stuff is big hate for me. It's it's always harder to pick out the negatives, I think. And I think the good still outweighs the positive, uh, the negative for me.
0: Cool, sugar tits. I mean, Jack. How (laughs) dare you? Looking at your Zen caster, so hard. Yeah,
2: Uh, let me just pull my notes because uh, the the bottom line is, and I've said this, I've reiterated this throughout the whole uh, conversation. I don't like the original ending. I don't like the ending that they produced. I just think, to me, it doesn't work. Um, I, I think it feels like a dissonance to everything else. That being said, I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world. I just don't particularly like that. Um, my, my phone just died. I've got my notes on it. I'm trying to think of what number two was. Um, uh, my number two. Oh, that's it. I don't like... I, I mentioned this to, to, to Tony as well. How he shoots the chase sequence where they go through the wall oh, and yeah. it goes into slow motion. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like that's a different tone. It's a different aesthetic. Felt like a different director. Um, I think that that's definitely it's a, a very part moment. Yeah, for it me. felt like a yeah. reshoot to inject a certain <clears throat> quality, a certain adrenaline uh, um, pierce into it, which felt like someone after the the fact. And the whole sequence where they chase like they have to villainize someone, um, and like, like I said, mm-hmm. and, and like he shoots them like. Like I wouldn't be surprised if someone came up and shaked his hand, like "Well done, you've done you've done a good service." Like there's, it asks a lot more questions about those characters that the film is even remotely willing to answer when it's over in thirty five seconds, um, after the fact as well. So I was like, I was like, this is just very strange. I'm like well, okay, it's like like watching something very mundane and then something dramatic happens, like uh, as a jump scare, but it's never consistent throughout anything else. It just feels like a very tonally disson. Uh, Disengaging um, dis- um, dis- uh, element, if you could say. Uh, I'm number one, and I, I sort of want to say this as a joke. I have sort of warmed up to it after after what Tony said as well. I'm sure it'll be mentioned again. Is the, the, the mustache and uh, the, the the wig scene to me is like I watch it, and I'm like,
0: what the? What? Oh, it's coming. Yeah, it's like it's
2: so stupid, right? But then awesome. the more I think about it, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I do laugh with it, and I'm like, maybe it's meant for that. But also, you look at the vanity of certain people. Like he looks like a seventy-year-old man in that sequence with the tie that He's trying to look hip and young, and like you also think about the the, the, uh, the casting couches, that they all say, "Like do you want to look at my junk?" Like he, it all feels like there's a sexual favor going on. Then it feels like a a person who's trying to look young and take advantage.
0: No, do you I, think he looks like a man who's seen too many penises in one day that an, th- any man should ever see? I,
2: th- I think that when he eventually sees Jism um, Jim whatever it's called, <laughs> I think he's had. An, I think he's most doubtly had enough of it but I, I do think that it sort of does work in a, in a subtext way where, where you look into it a bit more and you're like, ah I can see what he's perhaps what the idea was to try to do with making it look like he might be taking advantage of these young men If if he was but again like that might work in a different film, but because we know George C. Scott's character arc, I don't think he's consciously devised a plan to look like he's taking advantage of these people. So to me it was like a mishmash of ideas. I can I can understand what the idea was. but The execution to me was like Mammy Vice. It was like um <laughs> it was like yeah, it was like OAP Mammy Vice. It was like stupid. But again as we spoke about it, it it's just like a, a personal choice. I don't think it's a detriment to the film at all, but that to me was like, oh, it just gets me every time it takes me out. And I think it's such a serious, straight lace feature to get to that point. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm back into it when he when he brays him half to death and then goes back in for seconds as well.
0: What have you done? Okay, turn. so I'll not mention the wig
3: and mustache. <laughs> they were there. they were they were prominent in my list. Okay. Um but, Did uh, you have
0: both two entries for both for mustache and wings. No, I, like, I had Whoa. them
3: grouped together. Um, but I'll I'll tack on a specific Tony. You mentioned this just some of the dialogue in the hotel room. So specifically, this I thought was terrible. The the tulip acronym to explain, uh, you know, his oh. his church's beliefs. Such a ridiculous set of exposition, and further to that, as an acronym, it's it's just doesn't even work because tulip, <laughs> the T, the U, the L. They're for vague adjectives. So I wrote this down. The T in TULIP stands for total depravity of man. The U is unconditional election. The L is for limited atonement. It's like... Unconditional
2: election. <laughs> I'm going to come. God. It's too late, isn't it? No, election.
3: Election. Which group gets to go to heaven? Anyway, it's just, it's just brutal. And then the acronym is just the st- dumbest acronym ever so anyway i'll start with that um number two georgie e. scott breaks into <laughs> Mast's apartment and kicks him out it just sort of seems like a weirdly <laughs> conceived notion i suppose there's ideas there to sort of contrast what's coming up later whenever um uh boyle walks in on uh hubley and and scott later on i suppose there's a, a bit of a parallel but anyway it's just sort of an odd odd scene but uh, yeah number one i, I just as we were talking about this, I think it's sort of unavoidable, unavoidable really. Um, the fact that Scott saves the day the way that he does, it just sort of seems Ill, ill-conceived that it's this weird, heroic ending in a way. It's just the ending doesn't quite work. So there's that. Jakob?
0: Well, just <laughs> just to put it in perspective, by the way, I just Googled tulip and Calvinism. It yeah, is yeah. real
3: okay i wondered that it's still a stupid total
0: depravity unconditional election (laughs) lol (laughs) limited atonement irresistible grace perseverance of the saints i mean just like but it kind of sounds like it's made up because it's on my list too okay like because it's just like what why didn't why didn't he just come up with something really ridiculous like penis you know like penance (laughs) elation (laughs) navel gazing i don't incontinence and satanism i don't know something (laughs) It's just it's just something i i don't know yeah so worst mnemonic so, ever i know it's just um i've got what i've got peter boyle just finds the eight millimeter type um <clears throat> it's called slave of love as well but no like the like height it's just a stand-in for these in uh, these conveniences also another one These people just like shoot a porno movie in an open motel room where people can just look in and Peter Bow just like waltzes in and just sits in on a on a recording. By the way, they don't look like they accomplished much in that porno scene.
3: Oh, they licked her belly.
0: (laughs) Okay. So so there's that. Look, the ending, the Isla Davis sort of when she's when she opens her mouth to speak, done. I'm done.
1: (laughs) A pretty big issue.
0: see this is where you yeah this is where you realize she should have died on screen oh sorry was that a sleep just there like, that was very like, dark just like holy shit this is a you know you've seen some bad acting but this is real bad like no wonder George has to stay drunk <laughs> yeah, for this.
1: Trying, <laughs> trying to imagine that whole bit is there, there is a bit on the commentary on <laughs> one of the commentaries about that you know and the, the apologies she's not an actress she's not this and uh but yeah it's jaw dropping and you, and you wonder you want to know exactly when scott and schrader got into the biggest conflict of that and how early in the scene that was because yeah there's nothing going on there between him and her yeah. except a frustration no, I, it's- I,
2: I i can i can genuinely imagine them before that sequence Bringing him off the drug tank, like <laughs> off his nut, put him in there, and she's like, that, "She, that's probably real frightening." Like, you, the, the smell of his breath was like you, you could smell it before you could see him. He just slumbers down, starts talking, and she's like, "She's like trying to deliver her lines," and she's like, she's "Like no, no," like annihilating. Her. You can just tell that there's some fucking real fear in her eyes. There, I re- I'll just honestly, he'd be like all over the place, it's like where, re- like <laughs> the film becomes something else and like norm becomes something uh, a reality You probably I'm even frightened. didn't have
0: to say anything he just looked because he looks like a disappointed dad anyway so yeah, he'd, he'd be kicking so he's and just screaming like, with well, his well, glass I'd, of whiskey he doesn't just, seem like a quiet give drunk me some
2: more he doesn't yeah he doesn't seem to be a quiet <laughs> drunk Jakob. i think he'd be quite loud and <laughs> i think he'd be kicking and screaming his way to uh to anywhere he could do <laughs>
3: Richard Lester said about uh, the shooting of Petulia, he didn't have any issues with um, George C. Scott, but he said that um, you could tell when George C. Scott was starting to get agitated if they'd have to do like the, the, (laughs) let's do the shot a third time. And then he'd sort of huff and uh, he'd stand off waiting for everyone to get everything set up. And he'd be practicing his golf swing with a bit of a frown on his face. And uh,
0: (laughs) yeah, so he was a very
3: quiet, Cross uh, whenever they got to that
1: point on Petulia, apparently.
0: Yeah, so I've got this, and then finally I've got the uh, combo of fake mustache and wig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think he's a Jack Horner. Although it's a Jack this. Horner character, right? You got Boogie Nights coming up; like <laughs> and he fit into that yes, world. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, th- I mean, there is a moment of levity, in it just. But then, just the visual of Josie Scott looking like Ron Jeremy from Wish is just not good. But then. Like how he raises his eyebrow when he's like, "Do you want to see my junk?" And he goes like, "Sure." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another
4: subtle it moment. Just,
0: but it was just a very nice moment, and, but then like the the visual, you have to kind of just you know like get used to.
2: <laughs> I I really thought in that secrets we were going to see a certain phallic object then as well. I thought he was going to commit to the he first all, I watched it. He almost does. You
0: see, you see the what's the uh, what's the medical term? The dick root. <laughs> God, <laughs> not sure it's the uh, medical term.
2: No, I, don't, I don't think it is either. Too fair,
0: apparently. Uh, also, quite hairy. hairy. Harry, Harry
1: Reams. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Um, every every time I, I, I see the word Harry, I just in my head I pronounce it the way Arnold Schwarzenegger would pronounce it in, in True Lies. Harry, oh. Harry. <laughs> Uh, so we've done it. So hardcore can be rented or bought wherever you please, and then you can also op- obtain it on physical media. And so it's an indicator release in the UK. I'm not sure who has the, so yeah, there the was a pre, I think it was Twilight Time at
1: one point. <laughs> I'm not sure who had all those special features, but it was oh, a Blu ray. So, so it started out, out, out of print
0: then, print, yeah. yeah, because Twilight's only like limited to like a few thousand. Yeah. Meanwhile, like indicator of these. Their limited editions are limited, to like a few thousand, but they kind of re-release them as a, as a standard, so you can just get it off the shelf. It's like
2: with Arrow, without the, uh, the 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 books in the are they? they? release it
1: second. Yes, second
0: yeah, but it's it's available. You can't. I don't think you can stream it anywhere reliably. Maybe it's on Tubi. I don't know. I don't think it I is. Know. It used
1: to be on Peacock. I know that.
0: Stay. Oh, Peacock's going going bust <laughs> by the way because they lost like one and a half billion dollars. Did
2: they have? Did they have like a? A quarter salary deficit of six hundred eighty-four million dollars <laughs> for like one quarter. Yeah, Plus. it's a lot of
0: money they they owe to the bank. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so we've done it. So massive thank you, guys. So Tony,
4: Woo.
0: we're super happy to have to have you with us on your inaugural sort of um, you know appearance just to talk about this lurid cinema, I suppose. So, is, if, is, if there's anything you want to plug or where we can, where we can find you, yeah. now's the time to. I'll plug do my
1: letterbox it. because that's where I'm most active in the sort of film community. And it is Sofa Cinema Letterbox with S's, S's on both. And that's an homage to a former local video store that uh, Randy will be familiar with. So, Sofa Cinema on Letterbox. Ooh. You can catch my reviews there. I try to do lists and things. I try not to get too controversial, but I love it when I do there you go I love that Yeah,
0: don't we all I, I try not to be controversial liar so if anyone noticed <laughs> liar <laughs> you can smell the
2: whole shit from here but uh yeah Paddington <laughs> hater
0: <laughs> look the way I see it you guys all just blue pilled yourself <laughs> and I just live in the real world okay <laughs> jack you can find Mark me on,
2: on letterbox on twitter with the username at jack luke sharp
0: fantastic
3: randy cool i'm on twitter or x or whatever it will be branded as in the days God, to God, come. Yeah. you'll <laughs> find me there at randy burrows you'll find me on letterboxd at bratch7 you will find me occasionally on clapper and my Facebook group occasionally runs little programs. That's Island Film Geeks on Facebook.
0: I can't get over the fact that your Facebook group just like after June just died. I don't know. Like you have I to keep, d- it, keep it active. What I you know. And
3: I, do, I do a trivia in September and I sometimes I'll do a Shark Week thing if I can get little polls together. But I didn't do it this year for Shark Week.
0: Because I think I was just about to say, like, you missed it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like a week yeah, now.
3: <laughs> yeah. When this, By the time this launches, Shark Week will be over. Yeah.
0: so So last
3: year i think it was i did some polls on you know what series jumped the shark when and just have little polls that was my shark week little scheme, but yeah nothing scheduled there till uh september
0: no so we have to wait a month in a bit i mean from the point no a, a little less than a month because we're in the future that's true but we're anyway it's
3: it's, it's how many hours in a day type of issue i've got so many things i gotta do uh oh, yeah. yeah but anyway
0: like you know we're, we all we're, live in that world we're, we're all George scotts in here just just, <laughs> just working and just choosing just the, color the
4: sunglasses
0: blue. right <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> cool. uh, yeah so you can find me to talk about film on the burning skip as in Twitter I mean X X marks the spot. <laughs> uh, you can find me also on Threads as Jakub Flash because you know why not because like I have to relocate somewhere so I've got like four followers so be my fifth follower I'll follow back. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh, uh Jakob Flash on letterboxd uh, flashonfilm.com uh, that's a uh, shirt with as that like, i have been doing this for like two years and i realized that i say flash on film it's just, like I, the pronunciation is weird because like the spelling just doesn't match because i'm from Poland, so it's what it is so yeah find the show at uncut gems pod everywhere which also includes x because you know um and uh uncut dot is the website where i can brown brown Browse oh. oh all <laughs> <or> our shizzle, <laughs> yeah. and then you also you can also just join our Patreon at patreoncom pod where you can just get to listen to more of, more of our stuff. So as a reminder, Magic Mike this month, Boogie Nights later on, and then Killing of a Chinese Bookie, uh, in addition to loads and loads and loads and more stuff. So remember to also you can buy us a coffee, coffeecom pod and you can also leave us a star rating or a review. And um and just support us this way if you do, if you so choose. So that's it. We've done it. And um stay tuned for next week, because next week I think we're yeah, we're we're doing hardcore in the 90s. We're do we're going 8mm, baby. So um stay tuned for Joel Schumacher and uh, pretending he's Paul Schrader and Nicholas Cage pretending he's George C. Scott or something. <laughs> and then you know Joaquin Phoenix being Nikki uh so season hopefully probably. So that's next week, so stay tuned for that, and then you know, turn it off.